hate to think what might have been if we had never met. Why should I suppose that this could be? The weary days, the lonely nights are easy to forget. Since I am here and you are here with me, here we are. Hello, everyone. My name is Ben. And my name is Zane. And welcome to the Carton Cast, uh, where we. Uh, welcome to the Carton Cast. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, I am really losing it. A subsidiary of ourselves. <laughs> welcome to the Carton Cast, the podcast where we review old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults. Uh, and today we are doing our ever pro- ever prosperous and popular and <laughs> other words bootleg segment for you, our listener. Yes, and listener, um, you're in for a real interesting one today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would you, can I interest you in an interesting one? It is not. I mean, it's often where we say like, if you want to really get it, you should watch the movie yourself. This one is short enough and unique enough that I don't think any description we give will do it justice. That's gonna make a that's gonna make a weird podcast experience for all of you, but we're gonna do our best. <laughs> we're gonna try. You know, you know, we've we've done like. I don't know, however, like 13 linear movies and 90-something linear cartoon episodes. And occasionally we'll get a non-linear cartoon. And it mm-hmm. throws us for a loop, but I think we la- managed to land on our feet at the end. We just got to kind of hope that we can that we can muscle through with our clout and experience at this point. Mm-hmm. There's no amount of planning that I can do to get you guys through this without any scratches. So buckle and up. On that- on that mountain of caveats, uh, we are <laughs> oh, pleased we're not to even halfway into the caveats, Zane. <laughs> we got, we we'll gotta have get, time for caveats later. We gotta later. get through the race thing. We got, oh, we got so much to do. But today we are talking about the movie Sita Sings the Blues, uh, which came out in 2008. It is an indie film distributed by G Kids and written, produced, and animated by Nina Paley. Uh, who, by the way, has since produced another film called Seder Masochism, which retells the story of Exodus, and I want to watch that too. That's a good title. <laughs> yeah, uh, Nina Paley has a, a bit of a bit of a story to her. I take it. I, I didn't read up on it, but like, it's very clearly this this movie is very clearly autobiographical in some sense. <laughs> yes, and very not autobiographical in some other senses. Well, well sure. The, the nature of this movie is very uh, interpretive. You know, mm-hmm. that, that the idea there is, and they make it very plain, don't take things super literally or even slightly seriously. So it, it's interesting that it came from a place of what I assume is, you know, a source of personal pain for this uh, for this artist. Yes. So the story goes is that um, Nina Paley was going through some personal issues and at the same time... A bad was... breakup, I guess, would be the best way to... Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because the film gets into it, but it's like from everything I could read about it, like the film just basically says exactly what happens. Yes, Um, mostly. during that time of her life, uh, she was also engaging in uh, listening to some music from the 1930s and reading ancient Indian epic poems. And this is the kind of person this is. All three of those kind of congealed into her mind. So when you hear, oh, it's a movie about one of the great uh, uh, Hindu texts, the Ramayan, you think like, oh, okay, the author is probably Indian, right? Yeah, that, that is what you would assume, and you would be <laughs> incorrect, and that 
assumption led me very astray in accepting the first few minutes of this movie. I'm just like, oh, yeah, of course. No, it's this was okayed by one of them. Stylistically not, different. Not really. I, I, there, there's some problematic elements with the fact that, uh, you know, uh, an American woman, uh, American woman is, uh, you know, making this this pretty goofy interpretation off of an Indian like epic tale. Yeah, and I, I've gone far enough into the details where I think that, um, you know, the author has met with those issues and found her own way out of it, and it's a way that I find perfectly acceptable. I'm, I'm, um, not, I'm not sold. We'll, we'll have to talk about that in a minute, but we can, we can leave <laughs> it for now, but, like, we, we, we should talk about that in a minute. Okay, so the movie itself is primarily based on the Ramayan, which I'm going to try and pronounce correctly. I, um, I, I had a bit of a difficult time. And, like, here's our first, ca- here's our second caveat, I suppose. <laughs> We're not culturally sensitive I'm still. I'm <laughs> not from India, nor have I, you know, I haven't spoken, uh, you know, of Indian culture at length and, you know, therefore don't know the correct way to pronounce things. It's a little difficult because even within the context of this movie, different people pronounce the same name differently. Oh, constantly. And so, you, you there's, know... There's a bit where they're discussing the name of a place, and they, they, they seven can't iterations, <laughs> and they're all listed on screen. Yes. Each <laughs> more ridiculous than the last. Um, but, 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 you know... you know, that's our first caveat, is we're going to get some names wrong. We're going to try our best. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, as an American, look at it, and I was like, oh, Ramayana. Yeah. But then I hear it in the movie, and it sounds like they're saying it like Manamana, like the Ramayana. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and it's a I, different enunciation. And then I ask uh, an Indian coworker of mine, you know, what is the proper pronunciation? And she says, there's no A at the end. Those are all silent A's. Uh, yep. Rama, Ravana, it's Ravan and Rama, or, or and Ram. Yeah, Ram uh, is the one that caught me by surprise. The only exception is the titular Sita. I, I don't know what the context for that is. I'm just I'm taking it on faith, like uh, so you know. We're just going to pronounce these as best we can, and and kind of fuck up some of the time. And you know, I'm sorry. I like yeah. I don't like pronouncing things in other people's languages poorly. I, I don't like seeming, you know, like like such a hick asshole. But mm-hmm. I don't know the pronunciations, and I will probably trip up on them. So yeah, sorry. Uh, so now at about um, two thirds of the way through the caveats. <laughs> yep. Um, the Ramayan is not a short poem. It is actually um, w- one of the longest poems ever written. Um, and it's one of the two major epics of India, the other one being the Mahabharata, uh, which is the longest poem ever written. And so by nature, condensing it into a movie is going to leave out a lot of details, especially because it primarily is told through an oral tradition. Well, well let, let's get into that conversation we were going to have of, is it okay that Nina Paley portrayed the Ramayan in this way? Because I think that's an interesting one. It's it's worth mentioning uh, her caveat. So she she's a member of a very, like, down with all copyrights, uh, free speech. of expression. What about free she, speech? I I watched the commentary track because we we uh, got the DVD from the library of this movie, and like most of the conversation during the commentary track is just talking about copyright issues. Yeah, she it seems to be quite the chip on her shoulder. And so her response is, if you didn't like something about the movie, do it better or like edit mine yourself. Um, 
that which, you know, is not a. I don't think that's a very good <laughs> argument. Like that's we kind of had a bit of this issue in uh, Clone High with uh, with Gandhi being one of the main characters. Yeah, and if I heard somebody from India saying this is one of our most you know respected beloved figures in history and mm-hmm. you are making him the butt of a joke and nothing else right and if and I, my immediate reaction to that was why are you trying to censor me i feel <laughs> like that's that's a i that's a very dismissive and defensive way to interpret uh yeah. criticism on this metric and i i couldn't shake the feeling like she wasn't really it it felt very i'm sorry you're offended to me I didn't see it that way, um, mostly because, uh, you know, based on what the other things I read and listened to about it, um, she does, like, she's trying to treat the material with respect, like, she's go- she's approaching it in good faith. Um, but I agree, that's sort of the weakest uh, counterpoint to, to the argument. I, I have some, you know, corroborating evidence. I, uh, I walked around the internet a little bit, and I found myself at her blog. Mm-hmm. A fairly recent post had her... Being kind like, I mean, saying some pretty transphobic things and justifying it with, well, I know I have trans friends. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, that that was, and like, she got a lot of backlash from uh, schools that she was going to speak at saying, no, we don't really want you there because this is a hot button issue. And she retreated to her bastion of, what about free speech? Mm -hmm. Because this is art. And (laughs) if it's art, then it means that it can't hurt people. Um, I don't think that that's a particularly strong argument, and no. I won't I won't harp on it too much because I, for the for the purposes of this movie, I do think that she respects the source material. I'm not saying that she doesn't. I'm saying that I don't think that her defense of if you're offended to like, well, I'm yeah. just exercising my free speech. I don't think that covers her as completely as she wants it to. No, and I think the stronger argument, which is also made, is that um, this story is an oral tradition. Um, you know, different uh, areas of India, people from different areas, argue with each other about how important or what it means or various parts of it. And so, ah, you know, I, I still think that's a pretty poor argument. That's like it's, the it's, that's like the argument. That's like you know Michael Richards saying, "Well, they call themselves the N word all the time, and no, it can mean anything." It's not. It's not like that. It's it's a it's a thousands of year old oral story that has you know, I I I don't know. I feel like it's different. Yeah, and you know, I'm it, I'm not it's, entirely it's, it, by its very nature of an oral tradition. People who view it bring their own significance to it sure it's and it's an interpretable medium regardless i mean that's that's how religious text is intended is to be allegorical and not strictly literal so you Mm -hmm. know there's you can bring that to mind you can explain away well this person had a pretty goofy interpretation of it and that's just got to be okay i agree with that I, i think my point is that Having that opinion does not shield you from backlash for people who don't share your opinion. No, you can say no. whatever you want. You're just going to be treated like an asshole by people but, who think you're an asshole. But that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if if your question is, was it okay for her to make this, given that it had a personal significance and hit on her other major themes? And I think the answer is yes. And I don't think another story that she didn't come to organically or didn't touch on things as closely as this does... Uh, I, I think it would be artificial to deny using this story just for that reason. 
I, I'm, I'm not, and I'm not saying that she should have not used the Ramayan for her, you know, tale of personal struggle and a, a movie that I think, by the way, I think it's great. They're like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not trying to disparage the movie. I'm not trying to disparage her work of art or even her struggle or her personally. All I am saying is, I, I doubt her, I doubt her um defense like I, I don't think that her defense against criticism is particularly strong i think that she should just it mm-hmm. I, I i would have preferred her to like accept the criticism with some decorum as opposed to whining about free speech that's just my take on it i understand that like maybe i'm being hypercritical because she is disparaging of a group of people that i you know I think are, are beat up a lot for no reason. I don't know exactly sure. what it is, but you know, I, I just don't think that, uh, that she has much of a leg to stand on in, on that case. Sure. And I would agree with you in the general case. I'm just seeing enough, um, specifics to this case that made it pretty much a non-issue to me. Hey everyone, this is future Ben and future Zane. Uh, so in kind of going through materials to put in show notes and things like that, I had an opportunity to look at Nina Paley's blog a little closer. Um, I think I kind of undersold just how heinous <laughs> it was. And I, I I feel like our previous discussion on that was a little insufficient. So to do our due diligence, I'd like to talk about it just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, I don't know, what was your experience in kind of going through the blog? Um, it was basically, as you said, um, Nina Paley framed herself as the victim pretty effectively to a cursory glance. Um, basically, she said some uh, things that are... See, this is the thing, right? Because if we say that the things that she said were transphobic, she would disagree with that. And then it gets into a whole definitional rabbit hole. <laughs> yes. To To a reasonable person... That is in the category of things that we would call transphobic. That would be said by what is traditionally called a TERF. And in her writings, you can tell that she disagrees with those terms, but that doesn't matter because that's what the words mean. Yeah, TERF, for those who do not know, <laughs> uh, is trans-exclusion radical feminism. Radical feminism is uh, one branch of feminism that, uh, you know... Uh, it's more radical of, than your traditional feminism. The, the, the people who exclude trans people do not count trans women as real women, and... You know, that's your starting point. And as you said, um, using the free speech kind of argument as a bludgeon is, is pretty common in her in her blog. Yeah, so, so the idea being she said something on social media, um, and then later on she was, you know, you can call it deplatforming. She was told, hey, you, we were going to show your movie uh, here at this college. We're not going to but anymore. To this is quit why. it. Right. And, and and as you said, as at a cursory glance, the blog post does look fairly reasonable, if obviously transphobic. It's when you start diving into it and hear statements about her claiming that a lot of trans pe- people are committing sexual violence against her by forcing her to call other people by their preferred pronouns. Yeah, she goes so far as to use the black friend defense. Yeah. I'm not going to go into like <laughs> yeah, I- too many specifics because like it, it First of all, we're not experts, okay? We are not, like, progressive activist experts. We are not in the trans community. Um, we don't know shit about feminism or, you know, legal definitions of free will or anything and, like that. And because we're not, we have the good sense not to make bold claims about it. <laughs> yeah, you'd, you'd think that that would be enough for anyone. And then get mad when we're corrected. 
but but the point is the episode uh Sita sings the blues does not deal with it so i think we're good in limiting ourselves to calling out that her behavior is really obviously transphobic and vile and we want to separate ourselves from that we don't want to give her a platform maybe if the odd listener was going to say hey this is a work that i see it seems like they really like i kind of really like what they're saying and you know that's that that was the trick of it is that we both really did like see the sing the blues <laughs> yeah and then, you know, the uninitiated might go onto her blog and see all this stuff. So we wanted to just, like, let everyone know, please treat these things as distinct. Nina Paley is in the bad column. Cita Sings the Blues is in the good column. <laughs> and we've dealt with enough bad people who made good media before that we're pretty okay with separating the two. We just wanted to make it clear for all of you guys I, I want there. to touch on a couple of, of points, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Um, on the one hand... Uh, in terms of separating art from artist, I have, you know, I've gone back and forth on that issue in general. Um, I think where I stand is, one, if the art itself doesn't make us complicit in their bad views, um, then it's a little bit better. It's not as bad. Um, second, if there's an economic thing, so if if buying media supports the person to a large degree, I think it depends on, like, to what degree? In this case, all her stuff is free. Yeah. Um, but then the third thing, which is, um, you know, does us approving of the art give her a better platform? And, and that's the one that is tricky. That's a little iffy. I think that um, by us putting forward this disclaimer, it helps. And if you still feel like, you know, giving her that voice is uh, uh, of sufficient harm... Uh, I think the proper thing to do in that case would not be to say, oh, the art is bad because it's still good no, and entertaining. It's still clearly and very good artistic. art. And you can really see a lot of the good parts of radical feminism throughout that work. Yeah, and I think I think the best response to that would be um, like donating to a trans charity uh, sort of as, as a counterweight to balance out that part. I don't yeah, know. That's sort of how know, I view the world. <laughs> it, yeah, it's I mean, like, I, I, I think that's. You know, I, I don't like to think of my moral issues as being uh, indulgences away from me forgetting about them. I, I think yeah. the, you know, it, you do what you need to do. We feel like, you know, I went through the issue of like, ah, should we even release the episode? We really don't want to give her a platform. Do I even link the blog? And where I came down on it is as long as I very clearly delineate what, like who she is with what she's produced, I think we've done our due diligence. Um I'm going to link her blog as a matter of course, because now it is a topic of the conversation. Yeah. Um, but I'm also going to link to a YouTube uh, link that uh, actually... Uh, the, so the YouTuber I'm talking about is ContraPoints, hmm. and yeah. she does a lot of arguments against the stop-attacking-our-free-speech kind of territory <laughs> that Nina Paley is dealing with. Yeah. And frankly, I think that uh, the I think that their argument on how free speech either targets one person or another and they're, they're, you're really making a choice whenever you either you, when you make the choice of when to defend free speech and when to let it go um you should check it out if you want kind of the other uh, an opposing viewpoint that is palatable yeah i, I <laughs> contrapoints is interesting for me because it's like a wholehearted recommendation of a thing i don't feel like watching <laughs> like I, sure. I i totally approve of everything that she says and the way she does it and the way that it appeals to like oh i didn't realize that you also checked them out oh I, i'm i'm familiar yeah um oh okay like 
this was a recent watch for me. I was looking for like recommendations for like, you know, who can I trust to tell me, you know, the a kind of a, a yeah. tr- trans friendly perspective <laughs> on the free speech debate. I, I like her as a counterpoint to all of the right wing YouTube nonsense that's come out in, in recent years. You, you just you need something to keep <laughs> you afloat. I, but just in terms of like the actual presentation, I just it's just not engaging for me. It goes a little bit like weird David Lynchian bird mask territory, <laughs> Lynchian. which I I can't quite understand. I don't quite get it. But like I I think that all her points are very well thought out, and I happen to agree with a lot of them morally. I um, do want yeah, to point that, out one last thing uh, yeah. about this whole thing, and that is the free speech argument. I want to delineate where I am. Sure. Um, because this is something that like comes up a lot and it helps me to have my voice on record so that I can go back to it later and like do I actually agree with that Um, there are lots of people on the internet who use freedom of speech kind of as a club to just push back against any sort of not even censorship but just uh, uh, feedback it's it's a very blatant like defensive reflex I don't think this is that but I still don't think it's I think it's still missing the point. I, I'm pretty using, sure it is that. Yeah, well, no, because like she clearly has a much longer history of free speech activism than you know transphobia, right? And, and as you said, I think either earlier, but possibly later in the podcast, um, she dealt with a lot of copyright issues, which can in, at least inform. Yeah, yeah, some you of can feel reflexive behavior. You know, she, she's got a lot of uh, skin in the game on that account. But Bit of I a chip think on her shoulder. if if free speech is your end game instead of your starting point you're missing a lot of why we hold that in our society as a very high ideal the idea is you're supposed free speech is a guarantee for people who do not have power in our society and if you're using it exclusively to like (laughs) to put down the people whom are arguably treated the worst in our society right it like that counts as oppression, my dude. And not balance it out. But, like, if you're really all about free speech and that's your thing, why don't we see you championing their causes and their freedom of speech? It, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's like, just kind yeah. of... It's, it's hypocritical and lazy. Punching, punching down. Um, and it's kind of not... It's less understandable... It, it's less understandable today than it was, like, five or ten years ago when these things were not already endlessly rehashed on the internet <laughs> like this is yeah, this is figured out and you know like we're we're still learning right we, we haven't really dealt with this yet we haven't dealt with somebody whose personal politics were so odious to us that we felt the need to call it out so we're not going to get everything right either um best we can do is take a critical look at what we've done and make sure that uh we're, we're not silently endorsing uh, or or passively you know endorsing uh shit we don't agree with yep and take um, the high road yeah. by when we receive harsh feedback reflect on why that is yeah we're just just gonna say hey man we're allowed to say what we want <laughs> free speech yeah yeah you can <laughs> in any case um i hope that this hasn't been too distracting i think that it was worth putting out that uh i think the disclaimer was necessary but uh we don't talk about it for the rest of the time because uh this was something that we did after the fact so we hope you do enjoy the rest of the podcast um, and I think that there's a lot to enjoy about Sita Sing the Blues, so take that into your heart as you continue on. And as for the fact that we say multiple times in this uh, episode that like it's hard to separate the art from the artist, 
I, I, I don't know, man. This is an easier example. <laughs> like, if you needed an example, <laughs> here it is. Sure. And, and, you know, like, I maybe this is, like, my hyper-white guilt kind of showing through a little bit and being like, well, if I'm not offended by a thing, it means I probably should be because this is a pretty <laughs> offensive. We'll get to the first image where any Indian iconography show up with, like, you know, yeah. like, there's a lot. It's just so, a lot. <laughs> yeah, and we have a lot of other things to get to. Yeah, the let's third, get... The third pillar of this um, movie, aside from her own personal story of uh, of a breakup and the ancient Indian text, is music from the 1930s sung by Annette Hanshaw, one of the popular radio stars of, of, of that era. And um, this is an interesting point because, uh, you know... Its inclusion in this movie led to a bit of a revival in her music. Really? Yeah. But this is part of where the copyright stuff got kind of neat to me because, like, federally, the copyright had expired on her music, on the, yeah, on the it's, recordings. it's public. Uh, it's passed in, in the public domain. But in New York, it hadn't. And so she was in all sorts of... Um, negotiations to get the proper rights and all that stuff and you know you can start to see why she's so anti-copyright yeah but one of the things that she mentioned in the commentary track that i i think is really interesting um is the the way that we treat uh intellectual property in the united states cares so much about the copyright issue of the music and does not care one iota about the ancient indian text whereas uh Hindu fundamentalists, her words, uh, only care about the ancient Indian texts, whereas, you know, they'll they'll put, you know, copyrighted Superman pictures up everywhere. It doesn't matter. It, I, I um, mean, so that's... it's just an interesting cultural divide that she's um, not able to reconcile with either, but needs to use both of to tell the story. That is an interesting dichotomy. I'm I'm I think it's a little bit apples and oranges because one is a thousands year old culture that is being, you know, turned into a goofy Popeye cartoon. And the other one is Superman, which is portrayed as slightly less pristine Superman. Well, okay. So, but also you can see the exact opposite point, which is, oh, people alive today whose, you know, direct family worked on this still need to make money. No, no, no yeah. I, like, I understand that. I understand <laughs> the, the other opposite one's a point as well. heritage of, you know, lots of people. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I understand that. It, it, does, it does bespeak a difference in cultural attitudes. And I, I know copyright and lawsuit culture is very different nation to nation. Like, uh, you can rip off pretty much anything you want in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure because it's made in Japan, so you can constantly be calling your, you know, superpower names by brand, by band names and band songs. But when you port yeah. it over to the U.S., no dice. You have to pay Prince royalties, you know? Yeah, because now they care. Because now they care. Now they got skin right. in the game, and we're good at lawsuits, and, you <laughs> God, know... We're so good at lawsuits, though. It's such a bummer. Like, I, so... <laughs> I see what you mean, and I think that is it definitely does bespeak a cultural difference in how we treat intellectual property and and mm-hmm. and her consternation with lawsuit culture and copyrights do make perfect sense in that light, yeah, um, I wanted to before we kind of get started on the pl- I wanted to do this one a little bit different. I think that the characters will become as important as they do within the plot. I don't really feel a need to set them up, no, and also like you know listener go go read a Wikipedia summary of indian mythology yeah like speaking of go read a cool. wikipedia summary summary of this movie before you watch it 
Yeah, it it could it's, use a little, like it's fast and loose. Let the the it's one not thing complicated. No, it's just it's a lot's going on. There's it's a variety show, and you okay? Let let me let me break down what I think is the most important thing to set out at this at the outset, which is for the purpose of keeping things straight. Let's name the four different levels of fidelity that this story is told in. <laughs> okay, sure. Yes, the first is we've got historical paintings um, from. Uh, like with South Park mouths. Okay. It, yep. This this I'm calling vintage. It is it it bespeaks a I, I don't remember the exact. Um, let, let me look up you're, real I quick. Think, I think you're limiting the conception of it by saying South. The mouths move very simplistically, but the images themselves are uh, like classic shadow puppets, like ornate figures. The, it, um, it is. It's. It strongly resembles the 18th century Indian tradition of the Rajput painting, which mm-hmm. kind of has like this brush style painting and everybody's faces are turned to the side like a, a Picasso kind of thing. Oh, you're talking about that. Okay. Yes. The shadow puppets are different. We'll get to the shadow puppets. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> I want to talk about the shadow I, puppets. I know. It's my favorite segment. But yeah, that that's the, that's the kind of first one where everything is depicted with this very, um, this, this, this pretty ornate architecture and kind of thoughtfully arranged as if it was going to be put on a stained glass window sort of art everything's very stylized and pointed uh and yeah that that i'm gonna call vintage because it seemed like the oldest art style to me Mm -hmm. um so that, that that that's the first one the second one is kind of a 50s cartoon aesthetic this uh, okay. the 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 and that it's it's the animation style that uh, accompanies the musical interludes. Yeah, so this is when Sita turns into Betty Boop. It's exactly Betty Boop. It's entirely circular eyes with eyelashes pointed out in all directions. The hip is like this <laughs> is this separated out joint that just rotates while she shimmies back and my, forth. My friend saw the DVD cover uh, when she came over, and she's like, "Oh, is she pregnant?" And I'm like, "No, not even yet. That's she's just those are hips, just shapes." <laughs> <laughs> she's just a series of of very simple shapes mm-hmm. uh yeah and and this is kind of a 1950s cartoon style to me it felt pretty popeye and you know like you said betty boop yeah and these are the song sections uh in between the plot sections which have that other uh uh other style yeah I- interestingly the actual animation style is a fairly modern vector graphic representation but it's just the models come across very simple and cartoonish in a early walt disney sort of sense oh neat uh the jazz songs that these segments are set to as you said um uh what was the, who the who's the actress who sang them uh annette hanshaw and when it's not playing her music um more modern um uh musicians uh provide a variety of different musics and it's about a 50 50 split in oh terms i thought of, that uh, she was track of this movie i thought that she was most of it and i was pretty happy about it i think that she's i mean background music for most of the modern stuff i mean like the, i'm gonna blow your mind here a famous singer is quite good at singing and i enjoyed hearing her sing um yeah but th- interestingly it's you know it's all the old recordings so you have that kind of nice gramophone static accompanying it. it does a lot for the authenticity and just makes it a real fun watch i love that man from the start and way down deep in his heart i know he loves me heaven knows why and when he tells me he can't live without me what wouldn't I do for that man? He's not an angel or saint, and 
odds if he ain't With all his faults I know he'll get by I'll be so true to him He'll never doubt me What wouldn't I do for that man? Uh, I also love uh, that she ends every song with uh, That's all that's all. Uh, most of them. <laughs> One time she's depressed and doesn't end it that way, and it's jarring. That's all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those 1950s cartoony seg- musical segments, let's call them musical. Yep. Third, armchair historian shadow puppets. So yeah. uh, what she did was she got three Indian historians together um, but they all tell the story differently, as I said, because they're all from different parts of India where the oral tradition's a bit different. So they're constantly talking over and correcting each other. It's so funny. <laughs> this is my favorite. <laughs> this and is the, the best part. And this is where, like, the this is where, where a very strong impression of Monty Python shows itself. Uh huh. Like, I, I saw so many Monty Python esque moments culminating in a fucking intermission slide in halfway <laughs> through the movie. Um, it, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. But it, it, but it also is very reminiscent of tradition Indio shadow puppets, um, and and like I don't know, it it mostly reminds me of Monty Python because of the irreverent tone of the those segments where they're constantly like talking over and correcting each other and only kind of getting half cracking right. jokes. It, it made it sound it made it sound like they were having like a three hour drinking sesh yeah, discussing the Ramayana. It's it it pretty much sounds like drunk <laughs> history. It's great. Um, yeah, it's definitely the highlight. Yeah, and we're going to call that narration. Let's call that narration style. I call them orators or scholars, but yeah, they're, they're narrators. I, I just refer to them as the trio <laughs> from here on out. And then there's a, a part of the movie where the animation kind of takes a dip in quality. Uh, I mean, like, I wouldn't call it a dip. You know, it's, it's, it's thoughtful. It's they're, heavily stylized. It is heavily stylized. This it's is like the contemporary a, like a parallel. Yeah, it's like a like a comic strip kind of aesthetic. They call it squiggle vision, the animation technique. Uh, it reminded yeah, like me Cats. of it reminded me of Mission Hill or Life and Times of Tim, which is just yeah. You know, lines don't particularly matter. The outlines are, are more suggestions than actual outlines. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's uh, it, both in animation and focus. It's it's pretty uh, pretty comedic in tone. And the, the the sections are very punchy. They come in and they leave, you know. And this mm-hmm. is the contemporary parallel that follows Nina's own life in kind of her, uh, in the story of her breakup and getting over it and, you know, reading the Ramayana and putting it all together. So yeah, and, I'd like to and, call that modern. Yeah, and the author describes the Ramayana as the greatest breakup story ever told. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> uh I'd also like to mention a lot of the main storybook. Uh, what was that first aesthetic you called it? Vintage. Vintage. Uh, the vintage aesthetic actually comes from uh, the Ramayan TV, ster- TV series um, from 1986, uh, Guys, which is where this, she this, drew a lot of inspiration. This is a incredibly old text. It has been recreated fucking a thousand times over. Yes, but this specific aesthetic, like a lot of the beats of the story, the fact that there's that intermission. No, I'm, uh, I'm just taking... saying it's been interpreted a ton. That's all I wanted to uh, point yeah, yeah. out. By different cultures, by different media. I'm very pleased that it made it into this ridiculous medium because it's fascinating, but yeah. Well, well, that's the other thing is like the 80s series is also kind of ridiculous and over the top. Um, but it's it's interesting because it like kind of broke Indian television at the time. 
like it had a viewership of 82%. So of the things that were on during that time slot, uh, 82% of the people watching TV were watching that. Yeah, listen up, uh, (laughs) listen up, Nina Paley. Uh, It turns out that when you take a beloved, uh, you know, work of art from a culture and, you know, change it around a bunch, people are going to take notice and possibly get offended because there's... They're pretty attached to that culture, as it turns out. I, th- I think you're missing my point, which is that it's already <laughs> been adapted. <laughs> no, no, no. I, that, I understand. And reinterpreted to be more silly. I, I think it's. I think that the reason that you're we're getting, you know, that that there was criticism from uh, people in India uh, protesting this movie is kind of the same reason that people protested Dogma is because you know Jesus being portrayed as the Buddy Christ in that movie, kind of having a silly tone. It. I, I, I wouldn't fault anyone for thinking that this interpretation of it cheapens the Ramayan, where the other ones yeah. maybe didn't. Yeah, I, I don't know how mainstream the criticism of this is. Right, and I, I don't feel that way personally, because I find cartoons to be a perfectly palatable medium, but I can imagine the person who doesn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Yep. I uh, just wanted to mention that there's precedent. No, it, it, it makes perfect sense. So yeah, just to recap the four styles, vintage, uh, musical narration or order and modern and uh if you want to have different subtitles the dvd offers four different possibilities oh. you can have it in english french italian and lol speak are you serious uh-huh what happened <laughs> they just translated everything to like speak? Oh, <laughs> uh lol speak so like Oh, will you ever return? Like, will you come back, please? That's that's very <laughs> <Please>. funny. <laughs> like the whole movie. They did it to the whole movie. Can I has forgiveness? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, you cannot has forgiveness, as it turns out. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fascinating, and I I kind of want to see a clip of that just 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 to just so I can be aware that it happened. Hmm. Yep. Okay. Um. And with that, I think we're almost ready to, to start. Um, a couple themes that I want to keep in mind is that one of the things they were going for with this movie is that it's a modern comedy because of an ancient tragedy. You know, tragedy plus time. Mm-hmm. And, and that uh, that really comes through in how goofy and and irreverent a lot of the dialogue is, even within the vintage segments. Yeah. I'm not sure what the point of it is, but it shows up a lot. And it, the it, point I'm, of the story? No, the, the jokiness? The, the, point of the, but the point of the theme being so prevalent the modern comedy ancient tragedy thing Mm -hmm. i think it might be something related to like the the whole i know it's not a big deal it seems like a big deal now but over time you'll get over it which kind of reminds me of the second theme which is that it's about a bad breakup or you know straight up domestic uh domestic abuse like an abusive relationship yeah and there's a you know the scholars discuss this in during the during the movie uh, and, you know, men and women take pretty clearly different sides on what happened. <laughs> yeah, it's, and, and, you know, I think that the best part of this movie is because we focus so much on Sita, whom I would probably, I'm guessing, was not the main focus for most of the different interpretations of the Ramayan. You know, given, yeah. our, given just the general patriarchal culture of the world. He, here she's given a very sympathetic uh, portrayal. Yeah, in, in any case, um, so that... That's the other big theme is the domestic uh, is is the abusive relationship thing and um, the the contemporary scenes really help bring that out um, as yep. we will see. Yeah. 
So let's uh, let's start her up. Starter up indeed. Uh, your name here presents in association with your money, a funded by you production. She Zane, really I didn't realize a... that the third Deadpool movie came out in 2008. She's a single issue voter. <laughs> it's, I mean, it was pretty funny on the screen. I'm like, all right. Name here presents. That could be, you know, a production that company. That could be a Just, real studio, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In association with your money. All right. That, that, that one, two is a coincidence. But three. <laughs> I mean, that it's, you know, I, I do like an indie kind of auteur work, and that really speaks it. And, and the notion just like, we're going to be starting this Indian epic off with a real oh. stupid joke. Yeah, but it starts in with a scene of pretty low animation to get you ready for the cluster cuss that is the rest of this movie. <laughs> uh, there's some yeah. waves moving by slowly, calm for a few seconds. And then an image of a woman rises from the waves, set to some really stereotypical musical, mystical, like, kind of Hindu music. Yeah, I mean, I like think sitar she, uh, and I think she commissioned a lot of it for the movie itself. Like she had some connections. I, I'm um, not. The, I wouldn't doubt that. The music is, um, you know, it has a lot of that sitar and sort of um, more what you'd think of as you know classical Indian music. Uh, but a lot of times it also develops a good rock groove uh, to kind of keep the things moving forward in between the uh, classic song sections. That's true. However, given no context for the movie... <laughs> given no context. And just looking at the first scene where a Hindu goddess rises out of the waves with chakras all over herself and ridiculous body proportions. Holding a bunch of holy items. And this stereotypical Hindu music. Lotuses everywhere. The, thirst, the first thought that I had was just racist. <laughs> oh, this is one of the minstrel shows. Offensive and racist. Like that was the only thought that came to mind. What else am I to believe? This is the most stereotypical portrayal of a thing that I've seen in a long time. The the art style caught me off guard. Plus the fact that the music didn't start until she put a um, it's a what a peacock record player, a peacock gramophone. <laughs> yeah, um, she starts that up, and so. I was mostly stuck in confusion for a while. I did a record number of double takes watching this. Yeah, and, and of course, the movie is well regarded, and it it has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So I it gave it the together. Ben- I gave it the benefit of the doubt at this point, but it was that's a jarring first. That that first step is a doozy. <laughs> I I don't know enough about Indian culture to know if that depiction uh, on its own is offensive. Given that I knew this was an Indian story, I don't know, man. It. When I <laughs> When I start up a work of when I start up a piece of media and start watching it, and my first thought is, "Is this a scene from a Team America: World Police?" That <laughs> says something. Uh, okay. uh. But anyway, the the she appears to be some sort of goddess. She dances to this uh, this crooning jazz from the Roaring Twenties music. It starts. The record starts skipping. She voices her displeasure by blowing up the gramophone and starting the universe. Maybe is this an origin myth? I didn't quite get yeah, this. Yeah, the record <laughs> skips on the phrase "a woman like me." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it explodes into spirals. You know, we get the title. This is a lot of gods in space imagery, and we come back to this a couple times in the movie. I wish I knew 
more gods to say what they are, like who they are, and what they're doing, and whether it makes sense. Um, but really, this section and some of the others were just kind of a blur of colors and shapes. I think this was a kind of a neat bait and switch because uh, Paley was really hiding her creativity and talent under a bushel right up until that record skipping <laughs> moment. It's like, oh, I've heard, you know, press about this movie that has this Indian influence. We see the most stereotypical thing in pretty limited animation and music that is not that, you know, is not that stylish or, or, or mm-hmm. you know, textured. And then they break it and get into like just a musical theme that is far more textured and proud. Like I was jamming out pretty hard through the intro credits with these space gods. Yeah, and the you know the the rock groove kind of helps draw you into that, but also just the psychedelic nature of a lot of the visuals. It's um, yellow so, submarining here. Yeah, so like we go and see the inside of a, a like a woman's chest, and then we see her heart take center stage, and like change into a di- bunch of different images of a heart. Yeah, like many times a second. Yeah, it's 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 shuffling on random. And when there's a hard beat in the song, the heart image gets twice as big for just a frame. It's and, the coolest and, looking thing in the world. And the heart, you know, turns into a lotus flower. There's a woman pregnant with the earth. Like, there's a ton of symbolism here, and I am not getting any of it. As much as I don't want to sound like following. the... <laughs> as much as I don't want to sound like the ignorant American, the mysticism in the images read is a little too weird to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I felt like they were kind of... I almost felt like it was trying to cash in on some sort of lol wacky quotient. Um, maybe with some of the heart depictions, my understanding is like they made sure that they were all, you know, legitimate heart depictions because I think it's offensive to not have a heart in that context. I, I didn't understand the full explanation when I heard it. I, I I don't think that there was much of an explanation to be had. It's just very cool, and it, you know, it's the animators and music uh, the, and music directors showing off their chops. There's one particularly important image, which is uh, an image of a male god getting his feet rubbed by a female god who is at his uh, who is at his feet. Yes, and okay, so the the gods that we're gonna deal with later are incarnations of these gods. Yeah, Shiva, which means that they're similar Vishnu but different. And... Brahm. Yeah, isn't that that's Ram, right? Vishnu. Uh, I think Brahm is the one that forms Ram the incarnate ah I Gosh, I'm not learned it enough. You know, I like, did so much research for this and <laughs> there, there's like there's, there's no uh, yeah there's no amount of research you could have done this is one of the longest poems <laughs> in <laughs> recorded history there's a limit to what I can accomplish sure um and you might expect that this would lead right into the story of of you know the Ramayan yeah uh, no set in modern day for San Francisco <laughs> yeah with white people sleeping. There they are. <laughs> um, it's like, don't worry, squiggle, audience. The thing I like about this squiggle vision is occasionally things are just randomly photorealistic. Like what? Like the picture of the cat at the bedside when the cat is drawn in squiggle vision. Or like some oh, yeah. of the buildings outside are I, photorealistic. I, I, I see what you mean. It's like, it's pretty unintentional. It's pretty intentional. Like them pulling this Ed and Nettie here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like the sound effects uh, and animation accompanying the couch ba- bouncing on the woman's face. Yeah. Uh, this is Nina herself. 
as depicted in this uh, contemporary uh, scene. Um, there's just like a lot of like there's a lot of stress ball squeaky noises happening, and it just happens mm-hmm. for like 15 seconds straight. It's just pretty funny. And and the voice acting in these segments it feels low budget, like just. I'm going to work. They phoned it in. Yeah. Yeah, like like early flash player kind of stuff. Very much so. <laughs> but it is endearing. You know, they're they're working believably, just kind of to like a married couple that's just getting on in life. Uh, I was at this point I was skeptical. Like the detail they showed me didn't feel additive and the voice like the, you know, getting out of bed and giving the cat breakfast or whatever. Like I I get it. It just it felt a little too mundane and the voice acting was subpar and the main strength was the quirk of it and you know, if not for the intro, I might have been much less invested in continuing watching by this point because it just uh, uh, didn't agreed. didn't grab me. These, I think, are the weakest segments. I, I think they're important that they're there, but I'm glad that they're short. Agreed. Uh, which is good because, like, you know, incongruously, the guy mentions that he's being hired to work in a studio in India, and now we're in India, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, welcome to India. Welcome to India, but, you know, thousands of years ago. And it's drunk history. <laughs> it's drunk history. This is the narrative segment where the, I mean this this scene is great. I, I need to cut in like at least one of you the gotta cut, cut in something in a little bit of their speaking just because the the way that they talk is fantastic. Ram's father had four wives, three wives, three wives, four sons, four three sons, wives. three wives. Okay, I know the names of the sons by the way. Kausalya. Yeah. No, that, that was, was the wife. That's what I meant. So, but I, but Kausalya, which, Sumitra, and Kaike. And uh, and Koshalya's son was Ram, Sumitra's son was Lakshman, uh, KK's son was Bharat. So impressed. Sita was Ram's wife. Right. And Sita, I know also, came, Sita's father was Janak. Sita has many names, Sita only being one of them. Yeah. Janaki. Janaki also. Janaki also. Representing the RS. And Vahisht, Vahisht, Vahisht. I saw a play. Where the he? Huh? Where the he? Where the he? I saw a play called Where the he, right? Which I learned there was another name for Sita. Uh, yeah, it's this awesome run-on conversation that is for some reason happening in a movie, and some simple animation articulates three people trying to remember Indian history, specifically the Ramayan, on the screen. It's very Monty Python or End of Z World or any of those and early I'm, Flash Player things. I'm trying to like take notes, but so much is happening and it's, none of it ends it, up mattering. And it's so good. Like they'll get some of the details wrong. <laughs> they'll be like, yeah. And he, and he had four wives, uh, and it'll show four women on the screen, and the other one will, the other shadow puppet will come in and be like, eh, it was three wives, and like was, one of them will just was, pop out of existence with a little. It was three wives little... and four sons. <laughs> <laughs> three wives and four sons. Got it. <laughs> and you know, like something is, I just enjoy listening to them because it's. So clear that they're all having a great time. <laughs> yeah, they're podcasting. They love it. <laughs> so the story that's told in this movie is thus: yeah. Sita was the wife of some prince of India, and when the kings, uh, or when when her husband Ram was to be crowned king, one of the king's wives asked a boon of the king um, in order to get her own son to ascend to the throne, and had Ram basically exiled Banished. for fourteen years. Yeah. Yeah, because um, women are evil is kind of the explanation that's given. <laughs> Some of them. I feel like Sita does okay. Yeah, but this, like, this woman is made of snakes. I don't... <laughs> yeah, that, that'll happen. I mean... And they don't even remember which one, so like... <laughs> the, um, like the drunk historians are like arguing, like, why, why did he Why did he agree to do that? Oh, because she, she nursed him back to health when he was sick. And like it shows, it shows the wife depiction in the vintage setting. 
<laughs> but with like a with like a fifties nurse's outfit on. <laughs> it's very <laughs> funny. Um, but yeah, Ra- uh, Ram is sent into the forest, um, and uh, you know warns Sita, you know, don't come. I have to fight these demon, these uh, Rakshasas, there, there's tiger men. If you don't mind, uh, there's a pretty fun point of dialogue before he's he- before he heads out. Mm-hmm. which is you know we're in the vintage setting so everyone's talking with you know kind of shakespearean overwrought dialogue where the king is saying i hate to have to do this but i must send you away but you are brave my son a warrior prince joy <laughs> of heaven and earth may the gods be with you and then the his wife and then the king's wife is like and don't let your the door hit your ass on the way out <laughs> it's like still in the same aesthetic it's just yeah yeah, this is great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, um, yeah. So Ram goes to go fight demons in the woods, and Sita says, like, I can't live without you. Like, it's a like it's a cut from the Peacock record. Yeah. No, 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 that happens. I think that one actually happens a lot later. It it gets mustled. It does it get, get mustled. It, it gets it Mustled gets for sure, Zane. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So so this this goes back into the musical aesthetic. She sings a song about how as long as they're together in the forest hunting rakshasas, they'll be they'll always be happy. So so given how many extra facts and characters they brought up in the first few minutes, it took me a little bit to realize that the style changed and that these were the same characters. The only reason I realized they were the same characters is because Ram is always blue. <laughs> but there's another guy who's always blue. <laughs> no, I think it's just Ram. Oh, like Rom Prime, like his uh, the guy he's a um, avatar of. God, uh, yeah, like uh, his idolon. I'm, I'm, I'm starting sure. to see the appeal of Christianity, where it's like there's just Jesus. <laughs> you just have to deal with Jesus. What do you, what do you want to deal with God? He's also Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Got just, it. Got it's it. Just easier, you know. <laughs> you know <laughs> just don't make a fuss. <laughs> we have like a lot of Christmas left. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, I, I only recognize it as being the same characters because Rom was still blue. Like, even his brother isn't blue. I have yeah, to wonder what's going on with heredity in this, uh... It's, it's blue, we know Sita by her nose ring, and we kind of see her a her lot, and then there's the guy with nine heads, and there's the guy who's a monkey, and that's kind of <laughs> yeah. all we gotta keep track of. <laughs> Those are the most important ones. <laughs> um, but she's singing, uh, you know, a song about love. I, I do enjoy the way that the songs fit into uh the plot uh very effectively they they communicate the mood that we're supposed to be feeling a lot better than the historians would be able to give us yeah and it's you know it's not a one-to-one but sometimes it's used to really great effect especially uh later during the battle scenes it makes it very palatable to to listen to because like in this moment we're like uh you were just exiled i'm coming with you maybe it's a bittersweet tone no it's happy-go-lucky love like they're hunting rakshasas <laughs> in the forest who like like he touches them and they fall into piles of like of monk uh, of like monster meat it's yeah I, it's real I weird found, i found the jazz to be like a useful grounding point f- that's salient to me as an american uh that made the whole thing kind of go down easier until i was used to the style that that's a good um, way of putting it but then the eyeball bat lampreys showed up. You didn't like those? I I just I just kept double taking. Like, I'm like, what I am like I looking Final at? Fantasy. What um, problem is? So thankfully, Rom is man enough to handle all the demons of the forest. He's a he's bad enough. Just, he's a bad enough dude to, <laughs> to handle the forest. He beheads them with arrows, and their blood spurts out and forms an archway that they can walk down as a happy married couple. <laughs> yeah, this is the tradition. 
<laughs> Cut you, to you, white you, haven't, you haven't been to a traditional Indian wedding. You don't know how they do it. <laughs> this is this is what it is. You got to find some rakshasas. I love your selective respect. <laughs> it's the only way I can get through, man. Uh, I feel like if I make it obvious enough, it won't be offensive. <laughs> That's the best offense we've heard yet. <laughs> it actually is. Uh, we switch back to modern setting, wherein uh, the guy, I'm going to, their names are Nina and Dave, respectively. Dave leaves Nina for his contract in India. And the purpose is, I don't know, there's like the, the contemporary scenes are supposed to be a parallel to the stuff that's going on in the background, but we just both left for the forest and now he's the one leaving for India. Like it, it's not a one-to-one. And I honestly thought that it was a little distracting because my brain was trying to parse, okay, how is this like what Ram and uh, Sita just went through? Yeah, it, the the Ramayan has like kind of a nice... It's interesting throughout, whereas the modern day plot line kind of takes a bit to get that emotional payoff. And until then, it's just sort of like, yeah, I know what modern people look like and do. Yeah, and and like we're getting the plot points that are necessary to lead to that payoff, but the plot points in and of themselves are not that interesting. So, you know, it's it's a little fluffy, but whatever. So let's just uh, cut back to um, the storytellers who tell us about Ravan. (laughs) I love Ravan. He's got nine heads. (laughs) (laughs) And like, not arranged thoughtfully like you'd want but like horizontally coming back for like it's a like it's a cheerleader pyramid of heads yeah yeah nine heads two ears <laughs> yeah and he um you know he kidnaps sita he he he's, he can very capably keep at least eight thoughts between his ears um and the the scholars say like now this is weird because in the histories they're always talking about Ravan like he's a great king except for this this one this kidnapping. one time he kidnapped so <laughs> their description of Ravan as, is so funny like I loved how they talk about he was so pious that he was playing the sitar with his intestines yeah <laughs> or not the sitar it was, it was some traditional Indian music uh, instrument that I I didn't recognize. But, uh, but yeah, just like you see his guts come out. What a, like, just... what a weird detail. He was so pious, he played an instrument with his intestines so that Shiva was proud. And it like has Shiva looking over his shoulder and giving him the thumbs up. <laughs> so um, I love the weird game of telephone that history plays with us. Like, well, that's, that's you know how neat. like Davy Crockett had the story of him killing a bear when he was four. It's like that, but weirder. But I like it because it. It kind of reminds us of the unreliable narrator that's intrinsic in oral traditions, especially when those oral traditions of, like, mythologies are also supposed to be histories. Right. Like, there's just a lot of wires that get crossed. But but it's it's funny when the wires get crossed. And that, that's why the it's wire crossing... It's funny to us. <laughs> the, the, well, the funny... I mean, no, it's intentionally funny. This is the modern... This is the modern thing is comedy when the, you know, I'm sure that like back then, oh, you can play, you can play the ukulele with your dong. Like that makes you a sick badass. No, it's, you know, this is. Well, that's, that's a good point. You know, (laughs) Um, and like the the historians are really hamming it up and and talking about how, you know, like, well, it tells you a lot about a person because a man who plays the sitar with his intestines fears no pain. It's just, I don't know, the conversation's delightful. They get distracted constantly. <laughs> I know. I would love to know what they, like, cut out. I really hope <laughs> they, they didn't have a script. They didn't They didn't have a script, and That's they didn't awesome. uh, do a lot of editing, actually. That's so good. Um, you know, for, for as many, for, for, uh, for some of the qualms that I have about, you know, Paley personally, 
she made she made a very daring <laughs> and successful awesome cool movie yeah like this is this is a this is an absolutely a work of art i can only call this art <laughs> that's what it is it's a hard sell to anybody else but granted um we go back to vintage uh we go back to a vintage aesthetic wherein ravan's sister who looks like a real weirdo uh convinces ravan to kidnap sita to make her his wife as revenge for all the forest men that got killed there's a, it's it's funny like him, her trying to convince Ravan to uh you know marry Sita is like she continuously describes all of Sita's features as lotuses. <laughs> yeah. And Ravan goes for it because Sita's breasts are like big round juicy firm lotuses. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know what the significance of the lotus is in uh, Hindu mythology, but I can't imagine it's this pronounced. No, I think there and this might be one of those kind of like meh, maybe lean off of like the stereotyping <laughs> a little bit, but it comes across pretty funny. Um, so he turns his servant into a beautiful deer to distract Rama. I like how the vizier or the servant and his sister are like playing angel and devil on his shoulder. Like you should seduce her. No, you shouldn't seduce her. But they both look like the devil because <laughs> everyone's like- evil if they're not Ram. And, like, um, the way that this plan plays out is really great because Ram goes and, like, hunts the deer. And, like, Ravan sneaks around as if he didn't have nine heads. He twirls his mustache. Uh, and he just goes to, to kidnap her and we're back to the Betty Boop style. Mm-hmm. Yep, we go back to the musical. She croons about how much she loves Ram. Um, not much more to it than that. But uh, mm-hmm. the it shows uh, through the narrative that uh, Sita drops jewelry as a trail for Ram to follow. Or did she? <laughs> like Khaleesi or Marion Pippin. Yeah, they're like, did she? Like, why would she have jewelry in the forest? Well, <laughs> maybe she didn't drop jewelry. Don't challenge the stories. <laughs> yeah, they're constantly like interrupting each other. Like, she just got exiled from her homeland. She wouldn't bring all her jewelry with her. <laughs> um, and Ram is, of course, distraught, but he like takes on this classic I'm distraught pose. Like sometimes it is very JoJo's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he does. He does a nice subreddit, uh, an inter or uh, uh, impromptu JoJo's. What? What is that subreddit? I don't know. Oh, there's a great Cut subreddit. There's a great subreddit of uh, unintended JoJo's or something like that. I'll have to go find it. Where it's just people doing JoJo's poses in real life. And I'm now thinking we may have a problem with JoJo's, considering how much we bring it up. I'm putting yeah. a ban on it for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, so here's where we get a bit of the the god backstory that went over my head. Oh, with like with uh, with with Hanuman. Well, they they're talking about how some gods are incarnations of other gods. Like Hanuman is a monkey god, but he's also an incarnation of Vishnu, who I thought already incarnated as somebody else in the story. It was just a it it was a little bit outside my uh, outside of my wheelhouse. Yeah, this. I mean, we're we're. The, the 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 notion of uh indian culture being pretty alien to us it should have come as a shock to no one i happen to remember from you know high school classes or whatever just kind of random things about um dharma and the cycle of reincarnation that holds a a, a place of uh, importance in indian culture i i i imagine that it's not as weird in indian culture for one for a one god to be many people yeah to be many people i mean we deal with the jesus three people thing all the time and don't bat an sure. eye right but 
Um, you know, I think it's just one of those cultural differences that you just accept as, yeah, that's that that was a normal thing given the context of this story. Chrissy reminded me that uh, in college she took a class that was mostly on oral traditions called uh, The Tale. And it's all about uh, like the nature of storytelling and how a story can be relayed by multiple people and like there's no one true you know this is what everything actually is officially uh in a lot of traditions Mm. and that uh she she showed me like a neat example where like it is a story about cinderella and it's about everybody disagreeing about what the actual important plot points are oh like uh like chiming in, in correcting like uh what was the one play about you know, then the the narrator gets eaten halfway through, and they don't know how to end the story. Oh, into the woods. That is what it's called. Yeah, I, I, it's got the same name of that book where that one guy dies in the wilderness. So I was was not sure about that. For no, that's into the wild. I beg your pardon. Yeah, into yeah. the woods. It, it's kind of a similar thing where the story is in the storytelling. Yeah, and people come in and and correct, and like it's a multi person kind of development. It's a meta commentary slash, you know performance art kind of kind of deal which i like she also said she also said that that's what it's like to listen to our family talk i don't i don't understand (laughs) i don't understand it's the this is the only dialogue i know (laughs) can you imagine like one of us trying to do this podcast with any other person it's hard like like they would probably if we got like Dan Caves in here, he'd probably wanted to go to, go into like historical detail about why a thing is awesome, and we're like, no, JoJo's poses, or or you know, we, you, we get, your moratorium did not last long, <laughs> or we get Nick in here and we try to talk about how cool the themes are, and he'd be like, there's one time when Scooby Doo fucked a goddess. <laughs> we would love to have more guests on the. If Car-Con you guys want to come on the Carcon like- cast, please come on. <laughs> Um, all right so hanuman meets yeah, up with he's a monkey god man and he, <laughs> yeah he, he pals around like he and they have like a real immediate kind of masculine bond yeah, him they, and they bro down <laughs> they bro down and bro town and and i hate to, i hate to once again uh break our moratorium <laughs> it really felt like a jojo's episode <laughs> right now <laughs> Because it's like, bro, you got to go find your wife. And he's like, I know, bro, I got to. And I was like, I'm a god of the wind. I'll bring you there. <laughs> just because, just yeah. Well, I mean, it, like, JoJo's does follow, sim- follow a similar, like, lack of logical consistency as some, you know, kind of old myths from other cultures that we're not experienced in. Like, it, it, it does kind of have that similar nonlinear feel. So that makes sense. Uh, but, yeah, this monkey god, it, it's back in vintage-style kind of narration. Um <laughs> Although there was a p- good part in the narrative or the, the the narrative style of uh, a storytelling with the shadow puppets, where one of the trio says like, "Yeah, the so Sita doesn't want to go with Ravan, uh, Ravan, so because she's devoted to Rama, and he and basically threatens Ravan with, you know, once Ram gets here, your ass is grass." <laughs> Which <laughs> I love that juxtaposition; it really just kills me. <laughs> like. They're talking about something so serious, like devotion and and love, and and just like that out of nowhere colloquialism. I I really hope oral traditions like come back and like become more widespread in our culture because I love this. Yeah, this is pretty great. Um, yeah. Uh, so in, in back in vintage presentation, uh, which 
we Sita starts warning Ravan with of Ram's mighty bow, and each sentence that she says, we get a reaction shot from this <laughs> kind of lion man with nine heads, <laughs> and it looks exactly the same with each. Re- it's like a dun dun, and it closes up on his real stupid face, looking shocked. Yeah, uh, this is actually a direct reference to the uh, '80s show. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, because that's exactly what happened uh, every time with uh, with Robin in that. It's great. There's like a drama riff, like an air horn, <laughs> and she's like, "I and I don't love you, dun dun, yeah. and I will never love you, dun dun." <laughs> Just nonstop. He's like, equally shocked every single time. <laughs> like so far, the joke becomes funny again. Yep, yep. It's that tell it twice thing. Um, and that the, leads into a musical segment. Well, uh, we had a little bit in modern times. Oh, just please. to mention that. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Dave calls from India, and like he's a bit of an asshole. He's we're we're an, not supposed to like Dave. No, he's an intense asshole. Like, not only has he not called her for a month. Yeah, he's like, "Hey, honey, great news. Uh, my contract is being extended. I'm going to spend another year here. You do um, whatever, I guess. Cool." And he says, "Yeah, you you know you can come, but that's." Not really true, but yeah. um, just the reason I, I bring it up, because like, I, I don't care too much about the modern stuff at this point, but um, the cut from her being upset to Sita crying and being devoted still, uh, that I think is a good cut that uh, ties these stories together more directly than in the past. It does, and, and it starts to sort of lay the groundwork for where Sita's story ends up, which is that this devotion to Ram, which is so sought after and so important to Ram ends up being chains around her that bring her down. Yeah. You know, they, they, they become only a source of grief, not really a praiseable attribute in any right. Um, and, you know, that that's that's kind of where the story will end up culminating. So it's cool that they're laying it, laying it across um, now. Also before the song, yes. um, Ravan has, like, gives her an ultimatum. It's like, you have two months to get sweet on me, <laughs> or I will have my Rakshasa or kill I'll eat you. you. And eat you. And she's like, no, I will stay true to Ram. And also, if you try anything, I will set you on fire. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> we have no idea if this is a bluff. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, with her psychic powers or something. Yeah, it's like, I will completely incinerate well, you. Well, she, she's also, um, you know, from from the... She, she, like, I think she's she, an incarnation. She's also an incarnation, incarnation, and she's like was born of the Earth Mother or something. So, it, mm-hmm. you know, sure, maybe... Um, and now we get to the song, which is one of my favorite ones, actually. It's yeah, Daddy it's about Daddy coming home. When night is creeping and I should be sleeping in bed. If you were peeping, you'd find that I'm weeping instead. My loving daddy left his baby again. Said he'd come back, but he forgot to say when. Night after night. Daddy, won't you please come home? Daddy, won't you please come home? I'm so lonesome. No one can fill that vacant chair. Daddy, won't you please come home? Man, I don't know how you feel about the practice of women calling their sweet, your, you know, their sweeties, daddy. It creeps me out a little bit. I've I've never been a fan. I'm not sure where that originated. Uh, Santa Baby, maybe? That's not... Sugar, that's, Baby? That's, Sugar Daddy? Yeah, maybe it was Sugar Daddy. Maybe it was Big Fat Voodoo Daddy. 
but in in the song we see Sita like rejecting Ravan and playing the clarinet and just hanging out with Hanuman and like there's some Tom and Jerry hijinks with the Rakshasas. <laughs> the Rakshasas are so funny. They're just, they're just like jumping around evading the demons and then Hanuman's like, oh, I gotta go report back to the boss. <laughs> and then oh, and she's singing like telling. Uh, Hanuman like hey tell Ram to come save me daddy won't you please come home and then the final uh, verse of the song is her in a speech bubble of Hanuman's yeah <laughs> which is uh, as he's relating the tale back to Ram the, the the decisions that were made in like how to do these sequences really make the music feel uh, much more organic than it could otherwise I thought that this particular musical segment told the story a lot better than the other ones Mm-hmm. I, I in general don't think that the music told much of the like didn't really move the plot along much. This one yeah. was very elegant in the way it transmitted both how I should feel, you know, where we are in the plot and got us to the next point in the plot where we can change modes again and go back to, you know, modern modern times. That's all. And now we have the the shadow puppets again and I'm I'm realizing the way that they like discuss and really question the text uh, <laughs> so to speak. I kind of want to watch that Seder masochism cuz this is kind of what we do at Passover. It's just like now did he really make the weak men do the hard work and the strong men do the easy work? Like did he does that make good economic <laughs> sense? Yeah, yeah, you're not going to get your pyramids built, my friend. Um so the orator is like it's kind of silly. Why didn't she just go back with Hanuman? <laughs> <laughs> He's a wind god, and clearly he can, you know. Yeah, she can save a lot of, like, a, an entire monkey war, animal rights. <laughs> um, and they're like, well, okay, if a thing happened in the story and they didn't provide a reason, it's our job as the orators to come up with a reason, so here's some thoughts. Yeah, and they do a pretty good job of, like, discussing it as in kind of, like, what-ifsmanship. <clears throat> without ever deciding on anything because it's not their job. It's just, it's a fun little interlude to let us remember, this is interpretive. Don't take it seriously. Feel what you want to feel. We're going to tell you the important things by impressions. Yeah, maybe she wanted him to prove he's a man. Or maybe she wanted him to become glorious by overthrowing uh, Ravon. (laughs) Yeah, like none of them make a lot of sense. You, You can almost see it as like, an aspect of her clinging to that devotion to Ram that she has. Mm-hmm. Like, if she was to be rescued by someone that is not Ram, it'd be, it would, like, shame him. And she loves him yeah. too much for that to happen, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Again, these old stories have a different logic to them. And uh, so uh, Hanuman assembles the monkey warriors. Yeah, sure, they exist. <laughs> and they're all kings. They're lovingly voiced with nature channel sound effects. They're all wearing crowns. <laughs> well, they're all like the eidolon of a monkey king god, and he can have a hundred thousand of them or something. Sure. As the one monkey is to the many monkeys, so too are, are I don't know. Praise I can't it, justify praise it. Be it's, all of their names. It's in the story. Chim Chim and... <laughs> what, do you, what do you want from Mr. me? Mr. Jeepers and <laughs> by Curious god. George... I feel like naming monkeys is the most latitude you ever get in naming a thing. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no you, can't, question you can't even do it for a dog because, you know, people ha- have ex- expectations for a dog. You can call the name of somebody else's dog. Do not try that with a monkey. No, it's not up for you. Like, you, there's no, there's no handholds for you to cling on when you're naming someone else's monkey. You're like, I, this could be anything from anything. There's no cultural expectation here. Um, they're already 
coloring outside the lines of my expectations by having a monkey as a pet. I need to go with the flow here. You know, Charmander. Yeah. Char- Charmander. I think I was thinking Chimchar, and he was like a monkey fire thing, and I don't know, man. God, there's so many. I didn't even play any of the games that Chimchar was in. It's just like, you know, the internet gets you. You know he was there. The internet gets you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) He is my avatar. Um, Uh, We get another musical segment. This one's my favorite. I like this one a lot, too. Who's that knocking uh, at my door? The the battle sequence and uh, <laughs> she she sings like who's that knocking at my door and then she's like well it's not the milkman the egg man the and yeah. every person that she lists is another demon getting murdered <laughs> <laughs> or or at the end each each time she says a thing it's one of Robin's heads getting flying off yeah getting shot yeah <laughs> it it this whole battle just works it's uh the the attack sequence is nicely punctuated with some. Really cartoonish, like, Bamf-style sound effects. Oh, Biff-pow, but it's, like, in Sanskrit. I know! That's the, <laughs> that's so cool! Like, the typography, but the words are staying in English? That's, like, that's the most brilliant... <laughs> that, that's the most brilliant melding of these aesthetics that you are trying to blend. Yeah, it's like, hey, guys, Fucking if hats the story off were to you. be told for the first time today, it would be done in comic books, and this is what it would look like. Hats off to you. It, it looks like a Bazooka Joe cartoon from, and like, 30s, a different language. And the 30s and 40s were the golden age of comic books. So like, It's true. It, it all ties in. There's so many ways that things tie together in this movie. I can't, I don't know that if it was all intentional, but, like, You does? can't nail it down, you know? Yeah. Like, you... All we know, if we even if you didn't understand the fact that that was a Sanskrit font and that we were doing Banff style sound effects in the golden age of comic mm-hmm. strips to accompany this 1950s kind of cartoony, cartoony thing, you would still get the impression that they are trying to convey. Yeah, and that is where works. you can stop if you want to. And the fact that there's extra, that's just that's just a nice little you know fresh pre- fresh pepper on my salad yeah uh there were some really good animation techniques like when he fires an arrow and you can like like they do some weird like 3d space yeah animation. It, it like follows the point of view of the arrow or whatever uh-huh. right yeah it's it, it, I, I find it really cool when they le- when um a movie or a show leaves its typical animation style just kind of to show that they can it it really tells you a lot when they decide to do that. like kind of like with the heart and the beats in the intro with the psychedelic stuff like it, it goes from bad animation to great animation very quickly to tell you it's not bad because we couldn't do it it's bad <laughs> because this is the aesthetic i want to portray yeah this is it's not where we want to put our focus doesn't mean we can't means it was a choice mm-hmm. i'm always going to pick up on that um, but yeah, it goes back to the narrative, or uh, it goes back to the modern time. Yeah, wherein Nina Me- arrives. Yeah, she she's coming to visit uh, Dave in India. Yeah, however, he is <laughs> he's still a big jerk. He's he's absolutely dickish, and you know I got the tones of maybe he's cheating on her, or that's what I thought. You know that I mean, like that's no PDA in public. Okay, fine. You know you're in a new culture and you know how the rules work. But then they go back to their house and. She is trying to be sexy for him, and he's just like, good night. I'm not yeah. having it. I'm not, you know, acknowledging that you are putting yourself out there at all. I'm just going to ignore it and hope the problem goes away because I don't know how to actually exist in a relationship capably. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, and it says a lot, and it's punk, and it and it. This is paralleled right to what's going on with Sita because in the in a in the narrative segment, they say that Ram shows up, rescues Sita, and immediately becomes incredibly cold to her. Yeah, and again, the orators are saying, "Well, we're not sure why this is. Let's see if we can make up a reason." Yeah, and the reasons they come to is that Ram has doubts that Sita is being has been faithful during uh-huh. the however long it took for him to come and rescue her. So a, yeah. right again, her devotion, like the strongest characteristic she has, is put as this. This is the thing about you that matters: is how devoted yeah, are you to me? How pure are you? Yeah, and and you know it it very much reminded me of spousal abuse because you know it's it's the person who is having doubts who is constantly being like oh well who are you texting you know like it, yeah. it's the person who is he's the it's projection you know Ram yeah, is like, having oh, you've been in another man's house you must be impure because you know what I would do. that's what it feels like or even like he just can't handle the idea that it might have happened and he's throwing that insecurity in her face yeah which Uh, which, by the way that is a fucking brilliant interpretation of this media for however long ago and yeah i doubt it was intentional like that but the fact that it like the, the the domestic abuse parallel oh yeah yeah like i doubted it was intended like that back in whenever but the fact that it can be interpreted that way I mean that's I don't know it like that's that's a stretch but it it's one that works out really really well. Mm-hmm. And you know maybe the fact that this old uh that the Ramayan is so beloved is because it does appeal to so many aspects of humanity even ones that they didn't really have context for back then. Yeah. And uh and Sita, you know, says she would rather die than go without him and so the kind of compromise they reach is to do like a trial by fire purity test. Well what if we went to relationship counseling? This <laughs> is basically what they do. Yeah. Um we have a little a little, a little monkey jazz band intermission. Like a like an interlude that's kind of dull. Yeah, he's jamming we're the sacks. We're just watching we're just watching the band play basically. Mm-hmm. That's uh, and then all. Rama starts a fire and kicks her in. Yeah, kicks her in. Like, they... All right, this is one... She literally asked for it, but... So this is a... Uh, I think this is in um, the one of the musical segments. It goes back into musical, uh, kind of the 1950s cartoon thing when, uh-huh. when this happens. And when they do this, they often depict Rom as kicking Sita around, like physically assaulting her. Mm-hmm. I think that might be one of the more justifiable angles of the criticism of this work is that he comes across as not just mistrustful, but violent. Yeah. And that does, I think, go against his... Like, Ram, the character, is the hero of the Ramayan, uh, and he is often portrayed as this bastion of everything that is good. And to see him do something so brutish, I think... I think that that part maybe is the more justifiable problem that some people could have with this movie is his portrayal as a downright villain, really. Yeah, or at the very least, he's not being painted in the sympathetic light that Sita is. Sure, uh, which, to and our, that's fine. To our viewership. Yeah, and that's fine. I think it's just crossing the line into violent behavior might have been too much to swallow. Mm-hmm. And the orators, you know, they talk about the the idea of purity and consent and yeah. the idea that, like, 
There's a fun bit where, where it shows Sita with a bunch of like biohazard symbols near her. And they pop up <laughs> with like a klaxon warning sound. She has to prove that she's pure. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Or also just the idea that like, oh, you know, you know, do you think Robin wouldn't, you know, force her to to engage sexually? And like they kind of kind of give props to him, like clearing the very low bar of not doing that. It's a. Uh... You know, I actually read up on it a little bit. Apparently, Ravan was cursed uh, by the gods, such that oh. like, because he because at some point apparently he raped a woman, and he was cursed okay. by the gods to if he were ever to do that again, he would die. Yeah, okay. This is, this is just what I'm. This is just what I read. <laughs> like it's it's not part of the movie, but like I think that it, I'm doing a little shadow puppet narrator for you. I'm. I'm Discussing, you know, what I remember from reading around on the internet. Uh, yeah, two strikes law. I've, I've, I've read about this. <laughs> it's two strikes. Yep. <laughs> the Bill Clinton was too draconian. You can still be king, but we're keeping an eye on you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you don't get too many of those. In any case, uh, they make up. She has proven her purity by being burned alive or something. Like, uh, she has a more immortality, pureness, so she doesn't get burned by the fire, and they <laughs> fly back on something. Yeah, it's a construct. There's discussion as to exactly what, uh, some <laughs> yep. of which is pretty haunting, <laughs> such mm-hmm. as an elephant with huge flapping human hands <laughs> I love for the wings. huge flapping human hands when they say, it was a flying thing, and then the, <laughs> the hands show up. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I love those Monty Python kind of jokes. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, they, they do make it back. Uh, 14 years have passed, so... The he, banishment is worn off. The banishment is worn off, and he can assume his place as king, and we are treated to another musical segment, which is uh, entitled, If You Want the Rainbow, You Must Have the Rain, which is Sita summing up her feelings from the first half of the uh, the movie. You know, she... Went through some bad shit. She had she got kidnapped. She had a fight with Rom, but they made up, and now everything is great. And it's because they went through all that hardship together. Yeah, it's a retelling of everything we just saw, basically. And the song came pretty quick after the last one, so I think this was just a desire to include a classic song and give us a nice wrapping point to go into the intermission. It does serve that, but it also serves a nice thematic point in telling us Sita justifying to herself going back to Rom. Mm-hmm. is that she's and, like, well, every relationship has their problems. And it serves a nice visual point because they literally ride a rainbow road back to the kingdom. Yeah, but well, let's clip in some Mario, uh, some Super Mario, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Super Mario Kart 64 <laughs> music right now. Um, yeah, and, and that, that wraps us up right into the intermission. Which is Guys, just, there's an intermission. Just right there in front of my face. The cast is giving an intermission walkabout while we all go to the lobby. <laughs> it's so Monty Python, I'm losing my goddamn mind. <laughs> <laughs> I like how Ravon, like, grabs eight sodas from the concession stand. <laughs> and drinks them all simultaneously. That, ni- nice nice touch, Sita Sings the Blues. Way to keep things light. Um, the intermission is also a direct reference to the uh, 80s show. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's cool. And, and maybe also referencing the... Um, notion of this as you know I, I this has been made not as just shows but also hasn't been interpreted into any number of uh, theater productions um, and this, this might be kind of a call out to that it's also like you know um, she, the Nina Paley says like the way to watch this movie is in a dark room with friends mm. and so like 
if if you're having the traditional movie theater experience, yeah, sometimes you do want to go to the bathroom. Yeah, I that's true. I prefer an intermission in a Marvel movie. <laughs> Which is not like eighty minutes long. It's but, unfortunate because you know. those are because like, the lighter movies tend not to be as long, where you don't need an intermission, but where it's more appropriate to put one. Um, it's also um, relevant to have um, because Bollywood movies have intermissions as yeah. well as old musicals from the thirties. I, I, I yeah, I guess that's true. Also, apparently, if you listen to it in surround sound, you can hear. Um, the characters in the film having small conversations and it sounds like other people in the theater That's talking. That's very good. Uh, so I really like that. Yeah. It's pretty good. Coming back from the intermission, however, things are not good in modern times. Yeah, so Nina got like a week of, of work at a conference in New York City, so she went there, and while she's there, she gets an email from Dave, and this is Oh, just... man, this is the best. I, I freeze-framed and caught every detail of this moment. Ben, walk us, walk us through this email on a screen that we cut back to and zoom in on again and again. In the... Nina opens an email on her computer entitled, Dumpsville. <laughs> Oh, they're married. It's not even like just a long-term thing. It simply says, Dear Nina, don't come back. Love, Dave. (laughs) It's the love, Dave part that really kills it. Amazing. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it pretty clearly breaks her heart. Literally, we we cut to an image of the heart from earlier. (laughs) Yeah. And... And, you know, I'm trying to fit this into the Ramayan, and it doesn't quite get there. Like, I'm wondering if this is the part where Ram doubts uh, Sita's purity. Um, Yeah, it's not a direct, it's not a one-to-one. Because the, the way I kind of thought, uh, like, in a vacuum, the modern setting, I don't think that there actually is cheating going on. I think it's just Dave is a person who is in a relationship who realizes he doesn't want it anymore, and doesn't and has know no to, idea how to navigate that. Yep, doesn't know how to get out of it, doesn't know how to talk about it, and this is the best that he could come up with, and it's fucking atrocious. Like, this is not how to behave. Or yeah, and we have no idea how exaggerated this is from what actually Absolutely. happened. Absolutely, I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna like. I'm not throwing shade <laughs> on a person who did not, you know, who was not consulted for the production of this movie. Like, listen, listen, Dave. If you want to break up with your wife and spend more time with, uh, you know, Alvin and Simon in theater, <laughs> training them to be the greatest <laughs> pop band, that's your own thing. But do it respectfully. Yeah, don't don't do it in India. The chipmunks don't can't live there, as far as I know. Yeah, I, oof, you need that's prairies. a lot of knowledge I need. <laughs> you didn't do your research. Um, so this actually, this scene goes into a fifth form of animation, which is rotoscoping, as we watch um, women kind of oh, yeah, belly we get, dancing to fiery chaos. We get the post-intermission music segment of of a woman in some Technicolor dreamcoat dancing to some of that thumping yeah. Indian sitar and drums from earlier, and... It, 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 it's the same thing that kind of led into the movie. It's incredibly busy and psychedelic. Just go watch it. It's great. Well, I like it because it shows, um, you know, the women, the women in dancing are embracing the fiery chaos that's happening. They're starting it. They're breathing it. They're dancing to it. And it, it's a very effective scene because I feel like it represents the author's mind under stress. Like after like, having just oh, been this, broken up with, this broke her. But also it's done through the lens of the Indian cultural motifs. Like, I thought that that was a very effective way to bring us back into the action. Yeah. With all the themes established real quick. Yeah, that's a nice paradigm shift there. Um, that's, hmm. And this is when her story becomes more interesting. Yeah, and, and also, 
I'll mention just for the sake of bringing the theme to the forefront again, uh, in the modern era, uh, Nina was so devoted to Dave that she went out to go live with him in India and was punished for it. Yeah. So, uh, like, not punished by Dave for her devotion, but punished in the way that, like, you're devoted to a person, the relationship ends, and you don't know what to do with yourself now, because mm-hmm. you were, because it was everything to you. Um, Sita says it so many times during the course of the first half of the movie, is like, I'm living for you. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any points in the belly dance that you uh, want to dwell on? There's kind of a lot, and it's hard to describe auditorially. I, I honestly was pretty interested into where the story was going to go, so I, I didn't really, I didn't dwell Okay. Uh, one part that I liked is um, a woman dancing as her own reflection. Like you see both sides, uh, one on the left, one on the right, as mirror images. And the left side is a spirit and the right side is a skeleton. And they like uh, dance past each other and intertwine. And I assume it's symbolic. I do remember that part. Um, it, it stuck with me, but I don't know what it means. I don't know. Maybe like uh, her better half is dead. Now that Burrow broke up or something like that. I, yeah, I'm a metaphor machine, man. I've been doing this yeah, for the, how long? <laughs> yeah, r- rise above. The flesh is weak. Uh, long live the new flesh. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, like I don't even consciously think about it anymore. It just happens. So we go back to vintage, and I forgot how much I loved vintage because oh, we get to be Toby. Yeah, we Toby. See, okay. What's going on, man? Sita is pregnant. Cut to, uh, we've got to find out what Toby's about. What's going on? Toby has had just a, he's had a rough day at the plant. You know, the foreman chewed his ass out and he's taking it out the only way he knows. His ass is grass. His ass is grass. He's having, you know, six cores light and beating his kid and, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, so Toby is, according to the legends, the guy who owns the laundromat. And... (laughs) That that is the way that the orators describe it. <laughs> yeah, they show because like I don't know. I, was that like a kind of back to the purity thing again, or I'm not sure. And like, and so what happens is, um, his wife, you know, spends the night somewhere, and he thinks that she's been uh, impure, in, infidelious, and he beats her, and he's like, "Who do you think I am, Rama?" And the idea is like, I'm not gonna forget. Yeah, I'm not gonna forgive you just after sleeping with another man and it yeah. shows that his subjects don't respect him or at least toby doesn't yeah and toby but, you know, is kind of the barometer for yeah. all of his subjects <laughs> like he's the toby ohio tight you know <laughs> like that's a friendship you if you want to be my lover you got to get with toby have you seen my ornate clothing i need a guy who can really get the stains out <laughs> yeah look i know you got, you palled around with hanuman but toby was there from the start <laughs> Toby was with you and you had nothing. <laughs> um, so yeah, Rom has a PR problem, and <laughs> and so his uh, his solution to this is I'm going to send Sita away on a trip. My brother's going to go take her to the forest, and I'm just I'm just not going. Yeah, and his brother shows up now, uh, Lakshmi or something. Yeah, just a guy. <laughs> hey. I'm not blue like you are, but I guess I can help. Yeah, I don't think he talks. <laughs> no, no, those, that was emotional cues that I got from his facial feature that was stuck in that weird South Park face. <laughs> yeah, very expressive. Oh, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, he, he, he throws <laughs> Sita out. Uh, I, I don't know if this wishy-washy, nagging domestic abuse pattern he's got going is going to make him more respectable, but 
It, it's the way the story goes. So he throws her out for, again, she's already proven her purity once. This is him just projecting that he can't handle the possibility that she touched another man. It's all right. about his insecurity, which I is a is a interpretation I love. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think the the narrative uh, cuts it nice and dry. the The trio suggests that he was just looking for an excuse to throw her out because of the uh, because he still had an element of doubt to her purity, and she, coupled with the fact she's pregnant, it makes the following musical really uh, really touching and difficult. Yeah, so I think this is uh, my man. Don't love me no more. I thought it was a woman. It's the one with that that the beginning music that the beginning intro peacock gramophone thing did with uh, a woman like me constantly. Skipping. Oh, maybe I I didn't look up the names of the titles. I just I don't when, know. When I, I hear I guess when I hear uh, a phrase repeated more than once I waited song, for the like, refrain. That's the title of the song. I, in the thirties, yeah, it was. Um, and this is the first lyric where I heard her say the word blues. And it was only then where I connected, like, oh, Ram is blue, and she's singing the blues, and, and that's what the depressed. title of the movie yeah. is about, both of those. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's some 101 shit, but, it, I mean, it's, like, <laughs> fine. <laughs> it, 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 it's a perfectly evocative title, and it fits, but. And we see, uh, you know, Ram, <laughs> we see kind of pictorially him not trusting her, because he uses his x-ray vision uh, on Sita's, like, to imagine, uh, you know, Sita's pregnant uh, with a little uh, Ravan, yeah, little little Ravan just like cackling inside of her with, with his the nine, with the dumb nine baby heads. <laughs> but it, it's just uh, twins uh, from Ram that she is carrying, uh, and and Ram's brother is also sad, like he's crying throughout this. That's a really nice detail. I wonder how much historical connectivity that has. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Um... It's a nice detail. I, I think that that's, uh, uh, oh, shoot. I, I just lost my train of thought. My bad. That's all right. In any case, uh, oh, yeah, here it comes back. I, uh, I know, I know I've been kind of dancing around this devotion idea, but I wanted to make a point that just, I can't ignore the sexist attitude of this story. I mean, it's thousands of years old. Granted. But it, it, you know, it really hinges on this, is she pure or not? That is just, is such a contrivance of the culture that it was born of. Mm-hmm. It's a really antiquated notion and one that unfortunately has a lot of historical precedence um, in religion, especially in Shakespeare, like this kind of thing pops up again and again. And it just, it makes my skin crawl that impurity mm-hmm. is the clincher here. Like infidelity can be tr- a trust thing. And you know, it's fine if you can't trust your partner and that ends things because they were being disloyal, but it's not the lack of trust that Ram has an issue with. It's the idea that she might be impure. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that is maybe not an important point, but it was one that I thought was, a uh, was pretty apt. 
I don't know if I had yeah. much of a point here with that. It just like this was just me being upset with other cultures for not being my culture, really. Well, no, I mean it grounds it in the time and the that's and the true. Place. That is that is a good point. Because like the story on the whole, like it it's like a Shakespeare story, right? Like there's a lot of details that no longer apply to us, but there are still these, uh, you know, human sensibilities that never really go away. Right. Like, uh, what was that one when, um, the, uh, when, when those angels come in and take up shelter in this one guy's house in, in, in in Jewish mythology, and then some roving bandits or something come around and are like, give us those angels. We want to have sex to them. And the guy is like, no, 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 no. The angels are too pure. Just take my daughters instead. Right, it's they're a, sinful. It's the, that's the kind of you know, like mm, I don't really agree with the with right, the culture the, the that per- spawned this, and I don't know how to get away from it. Particulars are cultural, but the idea that you should be you should be hospitable to your guests, yeah, and engage in um, what's the word? What's the Neville Chamberlain word? Uh, basketball. That's Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> that, yeah, that's wrong. <laughs> the thing he did to Hitler. Um. Uh, oh man. Uh, Maybe it starts with a C. Collusion? No. <laughs> Zane, I don't know what you're getting at. Oh, uh, it's like... I'm looking up Neville Chamberlain. Yeah, yeah go for it. I, I want to know this. You're going to cut a lot of this out, right? How much? <laughs> like, why would I? <laughs> this is all gold. <laughs> it's like appeasement. Oh... Like, you know, where, 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 like, he kept on annexing? God damn it. This shouldn't be this hard. <laughs> you mean, like, the pro- practice of, like, Poland just continuously giving up greater and greater regions or something? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what it's called. Let's call it appeasement. <laughs> okay. I don't know how it related back to the conversation we were having. Oh, let me let me take my way back. <laughs> oh no, oh. we're three dreams deep. Oh no. Oh god. Oh. Let, let oh. let's get out of this. <laughs> let's, oh. We're back I'm in trouble. We're back in the modern era and it's winter in Brooklyn and Nina is dreaming about missing Dave while she lives in squalor. Mhm. It it's pretty rough, but luckily that's as far as it goes. It's it, it, we're just kind of seeing, you know, she is having a rough time, worse than she would have had if she had never loved at all. Um, but you know, that's that's the unfortunate bit about you know breaking up with someone who you really care about is that it isn't easy. If it was easy, you probably like you probably didn't like them that much to begin with, and it's uh it's hard for her. Yeah, and she and Sita are both thinking like, what went wrong? You what know, went what, wrong? What did, what I, did I do I wrong? Do? I, you know, I still love this person. They are still worthy worthy of my affection, but, you know, it's just circumstance conspire against me and I don't know what to do. Yeah, um, and, and Sita's yeah. in a real low point as well. Uh, she says the only thing that's keeping her from killing herself is the fact that she's pregnant. Um, and she meets this scholar and tells him her story, and we see the story kind of in song form again. Yep, uh, it's another musical segment, Am I Blue? It's not my I favorite. Like I, I liked the art of it, not so much the song, but I liked that, um, you know, the animals in the animal kingdom, they're pairing off. And, you know, you start with the peacock, which is nice because we saw that before and that the Got males are very kissing. resplendent and the females are drab and like the male kicks the female to the curb. And then the peacock, like Sita and all the animals turn this shade of 
like blueprint blue. Yeah. And like the birds and the frogs start like playing instruments or like they are instruments. It's it's a little hard to describe, but I like the way that the art um kind of reinforces the message. I, I also like the depiction of what depression is here because we'll notice that she becomes sad first and then starts kind of infecting everything around her with sadness. Yeah. And I saw that as sort of a manifestation of when you're depressed, it is hard to take pleasure in even simple things because they're all tinged with this remorse or this sadness for something that you can't put out of your mind no matter how hard you try. Sure. So I, I you know, as we're getting closer to the end of the movie, I think we're focusing more on the getting over a relationship thing and less on the mythology thing, which, yeah, the which emotional I'm happy about. Undercurrent. Yes. Um, uh, but she gives birth then, and it clears her sadness right up, just like real life. It's tricky <laughs> because, you know, clearly at this point she's been gaslit to the point where it's like, oh, maybe I did sleep with Robin. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're probably right, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the twins are, she has twins. And uh, clearly in the previous song, actually, like you see, uh, like there's a point where like she gets struck by lightning and you see her skeleton. Mm-hmm. And you can see the two little uh, fetus skeletons inside of her. Ugh. Weird, right? Yeah. Um, but they're they're born and they get they grow up getting taught by the scholar and they're learning songs about praising Rom. <laughs> this is pretty great. We get a schoolyard chant with a bouncing ball. Rama's great. Rama's good. Rama does what Rama should. Rama's just. Rama's right. Rama is a guiding light. It's pretty good. And, like, the reason that they're taught that Ram is great is because Sita is so devoted to him, again, devotion, that she can't help but paint him in a positive light, mm-hmm. even though she he has broken her heart. Yeah, that the, the idea of domestic abuse again. Yes. Um, I, I like the bouncing ball and subtitles appearing as the music gets, like, louder and more remixed. Like, it's brainwashing the audience to agree. <laughs> Rama's good. Rama's great. Rama set his wife ablaze, got her home, kicked her at, to allay his people's doubt. <laughs> it's really something. Yeah, it, it, uh, I think it's interesting as a synecdoche of the whole Ramayan, in that like, it is openly saying the shitty things he's doing. Yep. And still saying he's great. It's a microcosm of the entire experience here. It's like we, we're constantly seeing how awful he is, and yet Sita can only see the good in him. Yeah, and we see this again in the modern day as Nina just, like, calls Dave up on the phone. Please like, take me Please back. Please take me back. Yeah. I don't know what I did. Yeah, it's it's awful. It's heartbreaking. I really want her to just, like, I mean, they're setting up the finale very, very well. Yeah. It's just, it's hard to watch, and it's hard to be in, you know, as a person who's gone through breakups before. That's, it's not an easy space to be in. You just want to get back to a sense of, mm-hmm. you know, compassion 
and 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 rightness you know you you get so used to being with this person that you can't imagine what it's like without them and then you need to be without them and you don't remember how to function as a person <laughs> it's yeah you know it's it's a very relatable concept and depicted in this bizarre way is is really cool it's it's the double-edged sword of making part of your identity dependent upon somebody else yep yep um and the the scholars the the shadow puppets they disagree um you know, the men say, like, you know, Ram did some shitty things. She shouldn't still be pining after him. That's her fault. And the the female scholar is like, well, let me learn you a thing. Yeah, it, it they, they discuss how it's pretty fucked up that Sita only wants to be back with him. But that's how domestic abuse works, dude. Yeah. Like, don't victim blame here. And this is where uh, Nina Paley says, like, yeah, when, when I talked to uh, test audiences, like, Every couple that I talked to, the man was like, yeah, she should have just, like, moved on. And the woman was like, you don't understand... You don't know what that's like. <laughs> anything. <laughs> of course she's having a hard time moving on. She's constantly be being pit against her devotion to him. By everyone. By, by literally all of India. <laughs> yes. And and to lay that fanatical devotion to her as, like, it was used to be a good thing, now it's a bad thing? I like that's an interpretation that you just you have to be so blind to what's been going on the rest of the movie to harbor that opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I also get the feeling like we're not getting the entire conversation, but I I feel like the guys here are missing the point or at least abandoning it in favor of kind of showing her in this light. It's a very individualistic perspective they're giving. Um, but we understand better in this next song why she feels this way. Um, Lover, come back to me. And mm-hmm. she says, like, every road I walked, I walked with you. And, like, everything around me reminds me of you and how things were better when we were together. And, and, like, all the experiences I've had, everything that I've learned only applies to being with you. I don't know how to make it without you. Yeah. Um, it's got and that this idea, is, too. And this is exactly how uh, Nina Paley felt regarding San Francisco and, like, why every scene with her afterward this takes place in new york city she couldn't go back to san francisco everything about it reminded her of dave when uh when i had a bad breakup in college um i i kind of got little flashbacks and had a real hard time for that like six month period whenever i saw a blue car you know you, you don't know what's gonna hit you yeah um, yeah yeah it can I, be traumatic this is a good this is a good one uh this is a good music scene uh the segment is more bittersweet it and you know, it, it shows the reality of a breakup juxtaposed with the longing that a good relationship leaves with you. That's all. <laughs> That's all. That's a, it's actually a really good breakup song. I like, I, I think that I, I'm going to tuck this one away. <laughs> just, you know, just in case. Save it for later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that, so she's sad. Uh, her sons are fanatically devoted to Ram in the same way and are singing constantly about it. And we cut back to a vintage picture where Ram overhears the two boys singing his praises and invites them to live at the palace. But not Sita. Unless she can demonstrate how fireproof she is again. No, no. Pure trial by fire or trial by water. The yes. old witch test. Yeah. And they're like, all right, if, if you float, then you... Wait, no. No, it's, if, you, uh... if you sink, you're a witch. No, if you float, then you are pure... And, and she says, no, I will be judged by the earth. If I was ever impure, may Mother Earth take me back into her womb. Yeah, essentially, like, if I've done this, may I be struck by lightning. 
Yeah, but with the Earth, which I think she's an incarnation of the Mother Earth spirit. It's suicide. Like, this is what it's, you know, that that is the, that's the idea here. Yeah. She is saying, if if you can't accept me the way I I am, if you can't get past this shit, then I, like, if, basically, if the terms of the relationship are such that they have to change so fundamentally that I'm not me anymore, mm-hmm. then I gotta cut my losses and get out. And and that's understood. She says, like, if I'm impure, may this happen, but it happens anyway. But we understand, like, no, this wasn't about purity. This was about her detaching from this uh, life of pain and going on to her next self. It was her It was her cutting ties. Yeah, it was her yeah. finally f- being able to move on, you know? Um, yeah, I... Yeah, that, 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 that was also my read of it as well. Uh, it's not that the trial... It's not like she failed the trial. It's just she's... She's done with it. She mm-hmm. she can't carry this this pseudo relationship around anymore. She just has to move on, which I think yeah. is that's a that's a great that's I mean that's what a what a good dismount for this entire story. You know the Ramayana. Yeah, we don't, we from don't see that enough in we don't see that enough in media. It's either I achieved the thing and therefore I get what I wanted, or I failed and I find a way to become okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, here, here it's, it's more textured. Um, the song that's associated with this, so when, when she jumps into Mother Earth, uh, everything freezes as the song begins. Yeah, we get treated to a nice little quicksilver scene where she <laughs> she, she walks around, you know, fucking with people's hats and whatnot. Um, but since time freezing is kind of boring, we, we see like quick clips of important plot events that happens while Sita swings, like, swims around the dancing gods. Yeah, it's it's her Showing sending off. She's ascended. Yeah. I'm flying high, but I've got a feeling I'm falling, falling for nobody else but you. You caught my eye, and I've got a feeling I'm falling. Show me the ring, and I'll jump right through. I used to travel single, or we chance to mingle, oh now. Now I'm a tingle over you. Hey, Mr. Parson, stand by, for I've got a feeling I'm falling, falling for nobody else but you. Yeah, she's sending off the, you know, the difficulties that the... She's she's remembering it fondly, just kind of like, yes, this was nice, but I'm done with it, and this is my final farewell to this relationship. Um, the, the song is called Fallen for Nobody Else But You, which is a, kind of a dire idea that's communicated through such a silly medium. But uh... Oh, I thought I thought it was the other way around. I thought the song was light in juxtaposition of the severity of the plot point. Uh, maybe it can be both. Yeah. But yeah. It, um, it's a deliberate parallel to show that she's removed from this. Yep. Which is the perfect ending for her. Like, I don't want her to get back with Rom. That's not... That would have been such a cop-out, and it's... I'm yeah. glad that that is not what is happening. Um, and Rom kind of learns a lesson. No, like he, no. he sheds a single tear. Absolutely not. That you don't think so? Flat out wrong move. That is, I. This is the only part of the of this movie that I flat out hate. I think why? That, I think that shedding that single tear is awful. And let me explain why. Let's hear it. We've just gone through the whole movie caring so much about what Rom was doing singing his praises, figuring out where he, where his head was at, all of that stuff. We've finally gotten to a point where Sita is like, I don't 
care about what he thinks anymore. I'm done. Done. And we should just never see him again. I don't think that we... Do, do, is he remorseful? Who cares? <laughs> what he does with this is not important to the story of Sita moving on. And it we don't always get that closure of, well, I'm okay with moving on just as long as this other person knows what he was missing out on. But, like, you know, that's not mm. that's not the way it goes. And it can't be the way it goes because even that needing them to be remorseful is attachment. So I think yeah. it was flat out wrong to show that it's, he might have been remorseful. It's it's framing the story back on uh, the male and the villain in in the way that we at the beginning of this said it was it was bold to not do. We don't care about his feelings anymore. We can't like that. That those are the terms of breaking up with this guy is that we we can't be watching him anymore. So you interesting. Know, that's wrong. I I, I saw it as like. Oh, you know, all this talk about purity and respect of the people and like brainwashing my children and all of that, you know, I lost sight of what was important. I can see like we get that enough in other media that we didn't need it here. Um, it didn't bother me as much, but I, I can definitely see what you're talking about. It, it bothered me a whole hell of a lot. And maybe just because uh, the contemporary parallel that they then show the, the modern piece is that Nina is back in New York. She's enjoying her work. She's spending time with her cat, Lexi, and is reading in bed. And we never see what's going on with Dave. We, we never figure out, like, that. Did it, is he having a hard time? Was there a secret yeah. girlfriend on the side? Is he still living in India? We it don't care. It doesn't matter. Don't care. I don't, yeah. don't want to know that. Yeah, and she's she's reading the Ramayan. Like, she's getting inspiration from it, seeing these parallels oh. as we are. Oh, Yeah. Obviously, you didn't see that, you didn't see that huge bookcase. No, 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 no. Like it's it's obvious what's going on here. <laughs> like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's Nina. Yeah, um, but just seeing that ending sequence with uh, you know her moving on and not wondering what's going on with Dave it showed me how much we needed to not see Rom shed that single tear. Yeah. the The only reason I can think against that is just the cultural differences because we then see their you know. Uh, you know, God Prime forms, I guess. Um, <laughs> yes, they've they've ascended back into Megatron and Optimus or whatever. Yeah, because at the beginning of the movie, she was rubbing his feet, and now he's rubbing her feet, and I think and that's she winks, the... which is a nice little thing. Yeah, that, that's the connection. Like, oh, he learned his lesson, maybe. But I, I think you're right. Like the New York City, this is the only segment of the plot where I think the modern day one gets it better. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, um, I, I don't really. I can't really tell if, like, you know, the, the idea that they are avatars of these gods and that the gods gods can learn the lesson even if the people can't, That that's very, that's reminiscent of kind of a reincarnation thing. Well, you, you uh -huh. get it wrong this time, you try better next time. That sort of progress, roguelike-esque experiment <laughs> that is <laughs> reincarnation. Now there's an idea. <laughs> there we go. Um, um, but... It, that, I think, is... That's more acceptable. I just had a problem with Ram in his human form doing the doing the thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would have worked fine without it. Yeah, and, and that's um, basically the end of the movie. There is one nice little wrap-up thing, which is when the credits start, um, a single sentence. Lexi the cat was adopted by our subtenants, who spoil her to this day. Aww. <laughs> yeah, that's very sweet. That's so cute. And she's like, yeah, you know, I, I love that cat, but he, you know, or but the cat was part of... My old it was life. part of the family, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And then the, yeah, credits. I don't know if you look through these credits. They are clear lies. Yeah, are they? I didn't actually look. <laughs> uh, you know, jobs such as beloved cult leader, uh, chameleon wrangler. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go ahead and take a look through that and see if you can find some choice ones. It's like Barkley's Shut Up and Jam Gaiden, where they say <laughs> yeah. Nobuo Uematsu did the music. <laughs> yeah, that's clearly not true. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch that later. I'm not going to go get to it now, but I believe yeah. you. <laughs> My thoughts go back to a heavenly dance, a moment of bliss we spend. Our hearts were filled with a song of romance, as into the night we went and sang to our hearts. Uh, and that is Sita Sings the Blues Yeah, I'm I'm glad we watched it This is a real interesting one It's real cool I, I was worried going in that we were watching a thing That was as beloved as Rotten Tomatoes 100% But like, it had a lot to it That I thought was interesting It had a lot to it that I You know, I, I didn't think that uh, blending animation styles could be done so cohesively or so interestingly and the yeah. the story of controversy behind it I thought was pretty thought provoking even if that wasn't the intention so yeah definitely it, it, it evoked the you know the copyright ideas in ways that I hadn't really considered before mm-hmm. I would be interested in watching uh, Seder Masochism just because that's telling a story that we are familiar with and that comes from our own heritage agreed i think that i liked that i was so far removed from the content here um that i <laughs> that i didn't really have a place of safety to retreat to but yeah you know it, it's also fine um, yeah. yeah um loved the experimental and varied art styles um the music was fantastic yes uh, even if it wasn't you know whole done you know th- this is essentially one person doing most of a movie by themselves yeah yeah, um, that, so it's very, very impressive. Like, I can't say enough good things about like the craft. The craft. That's the. That's what I want to say. Yes. Yeah. The craft is very impressive. What What was your favorite part of the movie? And uh, I know what it is. It's It's just the narrators. They're just talking, like <laughs> them talking about how great Ravon was for playing the sitar with his intestines. <laughs> Little <laughs> moments like that um, are are fantastic, and I. Yeah, I was I was blown away by him. I, you know, I appreciated the Monty Pythoning that they sometimes did in those segments. Mm-hmm. I I loved the conceit as a whole of like viewing these different art forms through each other as a lens. Um, yeah, you know, I always loved the lens essay in like college papers because you can kind of just draw whatever connections you can, and to have these ones which seem so disparate line up so well. Um, I think it it took a lot of intentionality and and. Uh, real keen insight into the human condition to put those together. I, I also think it's very like personally uh, reflective of, yeah. of Nina Paley herself. Like I think that it, we get something by seeing media that she is so closely um, drawn to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, that's true with her other works as well. I've kind of like looked through them a little bit and they look pretty similar. You know, she, she loves this. She loves all the things that went into this movie and it, that is yeah. coming through in the attention to detail, in the craft of, like, the opening sequence, in just 
just how tight some of those edits around the drunk conversations are. <laughs> um, you know, I, I really got a feel for why the Ramayan resonated so strongly with her particular situation and why she thought it was best expressed through Betty Boop. It all makes perfect sense on the page. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's interesting because we don't usually have um, texts, so to speak, that derives so strongly and closely to the author you know a lot of art you can kind of separate out uh this is it's a lot harder um i definitely recommend the dvd had a short on it called fetch that she did uh which i think is great it's like five minutes no dialogue just like a guy throwing a ball for his dog uh but the same experimental animation and like creativity still comes through hmm yeah Yeah, i'll link that yeah that's that's interesting i would be i would be interested to see that uh, what's your least favorite segment? Um, <laughs> I think a lot of the modern stuff just like when you think about, okay, they're all different art styles. Yes. You know, you got the rotoscoping and the shadow puppets and the vintage style. Most of them coalesce so well. And then the modern stuff is just kind of jarring. I wouldn't have minded if there was something like kind of intermediate between those visually, like how the music is audio audially maybe the modern thing is intentionally bland to kind of reflect paley's own like insight into her particular quandary like oh this epic tale of romance and betrayal is so it works for me too. is so interesting and immersive and my stupid little life is so unimportant you know maybe it's yeah, reflective. this happens to everybody maybe it's reflective of kind of her 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 state at the time as she was thinking about her her uh her particular uh situation Sure. Also, those those I, I like the movie is made in Flash Player, uh, yeah. at, but those are the only segments where it like where it shows. Yeah, that's true. And I I didn't particularly like those segments in general, although I think that the ending sequence was pretty good. Um, my f- least favorite scene is obviously, as you can tell, uh, is that dumb <laughs> fucking tear that Rama sheds that we don't care about. Uh, but a very close second is that intro little thing that cabaret with the peacock gramophone thing <laughs> oh i love that 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 drew me in immediately that, I, that's real aggressive I, like, <laughs> I it just seems like a real aggressive off-putting kind of shout in your face this movie is different um kind of kind of way to get that across before shifting gear like it's just for the sake of a joke there's nothing behind it I watched this with Chrissy, and we we both kind of had the same reaction. Where we had to pause it a lot and just kind of take a minute. <laughs> I I I. And now we're recommending it to like every person we know. I don't know if I'd recommend it to everyone. I definitely would recommend it to like people for whom I- enjoyment is not their sole qualification for a movie. Yeah, like there, it's more interesting than enjoyable, and it and it's still very enjoyable. But like. If you just want, if you're like an action movie kind of guy, I wouldn't recommend this for you, you know? Sure. Yeah. Although, that combat scene. Yeah, what about it? It, <laughs> it, it It's it's basically like John Rambo <laughs> going in. As being serenaded by his sweetie honey, yeah. Yeah. Classic. And also a monkey god man. I did like monkey god man. <laughs> I liked Hanuman a lot. I like the name Hanuman. I think that's very cool. Hanuman and his antics. <laughs> Hanuman and friends. Oh, that's friends. the spinoff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, Sita sings the blues. She sure does. Um, yeah, that's a that's a good. This is inventive. 
I, I love creativity in my in my cartoons, and this fucking hits it. Yeah, but even though it had a unique art style, it, it is not our scrambled segment. That's coming up in our next no, episode. No, yeah, this is just bootleg. Don't get your hopes up. Don't, don't, don't go <laughs> crazy, mean, guys. Honorary scrambled. Honorary, I, I was fine. scrambled. And I guess we can kind of have it because we've sort of done the scrambled segment sort of before. Yeah, uh, because next uh next episode we are going to be looking at Fraggle Walk. Fraggle Walk. The Fraggles. The Fraggles. I can't wait. Uh I love Fraggle <laughs> Rock. I have a lot of ex- I have a lot of fond memories watching this on the VCR in our parents' bedroom. Yeah. I love the characters. I think that the story is incredibly cute. This is uh, we're not going to say bad things about it. <laughs> so if you just tune <laughs> oh, in for ben, that you're hating you're really, on people's tears then you're really you know. asking for like <laughs> like the nostalgia bug to what does it do leave it, it hybrid like it i don't know it burrows buds uh and how about after that are we continuing the streak of good media <laughs> kind of like i okay so after that um i have a request from my friend ulysses i've talked to him many times he wants us to watch uh one of the newer clone wars uh tv shows which, uh, you know, it's not the Gendy Tartakovsky one. We've dealt with him before. We'll get back to him eventually, I'm sure. But we want to do the next one, the one that came mm-hmm. after that. I, I don't have the specs up right now, but we can find it and talk about it next time. Uh, yeah, Clone Wars. He said many, many good things about it. And he said that it was kind of it what got him back into Star Wars after kind of a hiatus. And uh, Ooh. I'm not, you know, I'm not totally into Star Wars in the way that anyone who it's one of those nerd categories where you're all in or you get, you know, glares at conventions. Yeah, I'm not a Star Warrior. Yeah, me neither. Um, the Force is not with me. Uh, but, you know, I have a passing interest in it, and I, I enjoy the concept a lot. It's just, it's not my Bible. So it'll be interesting to hear from somebody who's way more into it than I am. <laughs> and I love... Yeah, so is he coming on? Yeah, he's going to come on the show. He, he wants to talk about some Star Wars fantastic yeah i'm gonna do my due diligence and try to watch as much as possible to out star war him on cast right, you, well, you can see you can see where experience b- battles passion see who will win two episodes well, i'll have now. to uh i'll have to balance out the scales by picking something crappy after that yeah we gotta get back to dumb shit oh i've got some dumb shit okay fine it's got to be something like nickelodeon we haven't done them in a while oh i got some dumb shit okay cool glad to hear it Thanks for listening, everyone. This has yeah, been a if blast. You have some dumb shit. Go yeah, ahead if you got, and if you, write in. If you really want to hear some dumb shit, you can uh, suggest us something uh, by going into oh, yeah. our website and uh, going to cartoncast.com or fancybat.com or leaving us an email at cartoncast.gmail.com. You can go to our Facebook page. Um, you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts if you would be so kind. It really helps out, and we really want to know what you think. Um, and yeah, if, if more than anything else, just tell your friends about the show. That's all. That's all. Is that where we leave it? I, I thought you jumped to that's all pretty quick, but. <laughs> oh, I just, I don't know. I, it seemed like a good place to put one. You, you can, you can keep vamping if you want. Is, is that's all, like, did her saying that, like, form the basis of Porky Pig saying that's all, folks? Or is that just kind of a comment? <laughs> no, you know what? I guess we were done. <laughs> 